0: Hi, friends.
1: Really hope we see you there. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down.
0: We are delighted to be partnered back up with online therapy app Mindler. If you're struggling with your mental health and it's impacting your daily life or you just need someone to talk to, Mindler is a brilliant app that is helping to make therapy accessible. Mindler is a digital healthcare provider that offers online therapy with psychologists via video call in their app. You can choose which psychologist that you'd like to speak to and on the website and app, you can filter by the psychologist's specialties and also see their photo and bio before you book. Mindler has short waiting times and once you've booked in your first video call on the app with a
1: psychologist you get unlimited access to a whole library of self-help programs which can either be carried out independently or with the help of a psychologist. These programs cover a range of diagnoses including
0: stress, depression, anxiety, burnout and more. We have a code for you so go to mindler.co.uk to read more about the app which is available to download from the App Store and Google Play and if you enter code DELETE that's D-E-L-E-T-E you can get one free session.
1: Oh my god, why did I post that? Ah, I don't know what to do! Should I delete that?
0: Yeah, you should definitely delete that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hi, welcome back from your honeymoon. Oh, I'm so sorry I deserted you. I know, so sad. Everyone's like, you did really well on your own, but also, when's Al back?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You did do really well on your own, actually. I was very proud of you. It was really really good. Thank you very much. Um, But I am really happy to be back. I was like, itching to like, Tell you stories and I've got to save them all for the podcast. This is
1: our relationship now. I know.
0: Milk it for content. (laughs) Um,
1: And I'm so excited today because today is the day of the mystery guest, your honeymoon present.
0: I'm so excited. I can't believe you've done this to me, but I have absolutely no idea. My closest guest, I keep saying this because I just don't have a clue, my closest guest is Mary Berry <laughs> I don't
1: know why you think which is so I,
0: random we've, we've I don't know it's just Berry. stuck in my mind and now I'm like scared because if it is because like I don't like cooking or baking so <laughs> like no offence to Mary Berry but like I don't really like I would be so scared because I'd be like oh my god I've got to sit through an hour with this guest and I don't have a clue what to ask her because <laughs> we're like because I don't know what temperature do you set the I don't know I just do wouldn't know so <laughs>
1: it's not Mary Berry okay okay it's not Mary Berry breathe out but <laughs> it's pretty love, love Mary now, Berry. J- <laughs> She's a national
0: treasure. I love her, but
1: <laughs> no, I'm so excited. I'm so excited.
0: I can't believe you've done this to me. It's been a week and I've not had a clue. I
1: can't believe I've done this. I can't believe I've pulled it off. Like, I'm not, as you know, the organizer among the two of us. No. So I feel like the fact that I've done it. I mean, it hasn't yeah. happened yet, but the fact that, you know, okay. they're on their way here. Okay. They know where to go. We know that we're, that they're, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I feel like I've done really well.
0: I was saying, like, th- it, this is so sad to say this, but, like, I don't think I've ever had a surprise, oh, ever.
1: I'm going to like, tell me that again, because I will continue. If you it enjoy feels this, I will really
0: con- nice. Oh! Like, okay, okay, not, like, totally nice. I'm, the other part of me is, like, screaming to find out and, like, prepare, but
1: the other side's like, oh like this is really exciting oh my god fun okay now i know that i'm like okay well, what else can i do <laughs> your next <laughs> i'll tell you what the next surprise is actually i won't tell you you'll never know i'm just gonna consistently surprise this is my fun this, this brings me joy okay like, this, this
0: behavior can we do like a surprise joy. a month yes because i like it now yeah. i'm used to it now so okay
1: but you know me <laughs> they might get bigger you know what i mean okay
0: okay like
1: how do you feel about i don't know um like a zip I really want to go on the
0: long zip no, line. No, no. See, that's the no, sort of no. surprise <laughs> I'll be like, fun. You just went from like zero to sixty. Well, how no. do you know?
1: You don't know what today is.
0: I want, I want like controlled surprises, zip organized, controlled. Surprises. like you're in the harness. I think you'll be fine. Absolutely not. No danger. I, I danger. don't think you should ever say never. Danger. If Mary
1: Berry's ever got a cooking course <laughs> on like, the School of Mary Berry, like <laughs> that's that seems safe.
0: That, that would be a fucking surprise. <laughs>
1: Oh, I'm not ruling that out. Um, shall we kick it off? Shall we? Yeah, I want to hear everything about your honeymoon, and I'm hoping that all three good, bad,
0: and awkwards,
1: will be honeymoon-related.
0: They are. Stunning. They are, yes. Um, shall I start, then? Yeah, but just actually, before okay.
1: you do, can you yeah. just tell us how your honeymoon was?
0: It was, honestly, it was so nice. It was absolutely, like, blissful, so peaceful i totally as you you guys know like i totally switched off from social media for sorry, I feel like I'm rubbing it in. But not quite um, from
1: WhatsApp, because like every time like you just kept messaging, I was like, fuck off, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> like she was messaging in our WhatsApp group, like, hey guys, all that I was like, go away. No one replied to her and she'll
0: just leave. <laughs> that was like nice stuff though. Like I was excited because I feel I feel like stepping away like got my creative juices like flowing a bit, you know, because I feel like they're you know, when you're just too busy there for me anyway, they just get stunted. So I mean we literally did nothing. I moved from like the bed to the pool to <laughs> sorry dick. i am such a dick i know i know it was really nice and we got on very well which is good <laughs> always, always still married Yay. still married yeah he got horrendous sunburn dave so after day 3 like we couldn't touch each other because he was like but we're still, but still married was still married he was like you can't touch me everything hurts too bad um but, oh, yeah, it was sad. just wonderful. So, yeah, and now you're home. And now, and now I'm home. And now all the distance. Back to reality. Um, but I was so excited to get back to this podcast, like, genuinely. I'm really, really, really enjoying it. Like, I know it's – it has been a lot of work, hasn't it? <laughs> but worth I'm it. just – yeah, it's so worth it. Like fa-
1: my favourite work that I've done. Same, e- same. Probably ever.
0: And I'm loving, like, interacting with people in the DMs about it. Like, yeah. I can't believe – I put a story up today. Like, I can't believe, like, one – like people actually listen to it. I and know. two, that they like it. I know. You know? And I then know. they keep messaging me with in-jokes. And I'm I like, know we have This in, is crazy. It jokes for
1: me. It's when you put up a photo of your of Dave on your honeymoon, like sat on his own, and you were like Dave and all his friends, and then somebody and I in my head I was like, no more than ten. Probably six. And <laughs> yeah. then it's like in my head I said that and I was like, and that's exactly the sort of joke that I would say to you, you know, right. privately. And then you get that DM from yeah. somebody else anyway, who just like they're part of oh, from someone
0: I'd never spoken to before. I, I was like, "That's so that. cool."
1: I love that so much.
0: Still baffled by it. I like know. I, I said, as my mum keeps saying, but like why? <laughs> but not questioning it and I just know. very much enjoying and I'm it. Loving so, yeah.
1: Instagram
0: at should I delete that like and Our it's lives so have
1: just become memes it's Funny like, so Our good.
0: lives are memes It's so funny It's run by Amy who is at Hey Amy Louise on Instagram and it's absolutely just genius So good So good She's So good um, I just, just,
1: and it's, it's like we've got colleagues isn't it like, That's the thing I really love about yeah. this I feel like we've got a real team We've got Daisy yeah. and we've got like Amy and each other and obviously like our managers and, and like it's really nice Even organising today's surprise guests like they're all in on it and that's <laughs> been so fun as well like I never like that. It's gushing, so mean. I know, it's so good. Um, and then the other thing that most people say at the end, but I'm just going to throw in now because um, we've been told that it's important. If you are enjoying the podcast, it would actually mean the world if you could subscribe or follow the podcast, or subscribe and follow. Please, just yeah, just yeah, just, just <laughs> you know, commit. <laughs> yeah, please, yeah. Um, yes. It just makes a difference to downloads, doesn't it? That, yeah, that helps us with everything. Um, okay, well that's easy. Okay. Now we can go into the good, the bads, and the awkward. The good,
0: the bad. And the awkward. So my good, well, obviously my good was that I was on honeymoon and like blah, 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 but you don't oh, need to hear. The was
1: so clear and the sound was just so <laughs> light and I was like, I'm still in love with my husband. So
0: exactly. You don't need to hear any more about that. So this is going to sound, I'm just going to tell you what the good is before telling you why it hasn't transpired. So the this is going to sound silly to a lot of people, especially you, because you're an avid reader, right? But I can't finish books, like, ever. <laughs> like, I just cannot do it. Like, I, I've got so many books. I buy books, like, I buy, I buy a book a week easily, if not two. But I can't for the life of me finish them. It just, like, I feel like it just takes me so long. I go over and over each paragraph again and again because I, I never take it in. So it just takes so long and so much brain work. So this holiday, I was like, I am going to read a book I'm going to go from, from front cover to back cover. I'm going to read the entire book, right? So it's 264 pages. So I was doing like a mental countdown in my head. Um, it was this like philosophy book, which was really difficult, but I was so determined. And so I was on like page 250 on the last day. And I was like, this is going to be my good. I am going to finish a book and this is going to be my good. Um, and I didn't finish it. <laughs> I was like, I've got a whole day left. I'm going to finish it. It's going to be my good. And then I didn't finish 14
2: it. 14 pages.
0: And I took end. it on the plane and I was like, so I'm going to do it on the plane. Didn't happen. I just did work on the plane, so it didn't happen. And then I put it on my pillow And on, on the three nights I've been home. So like, tonight I'm going to finish it and I'm fucking finished so you, it.
1: You almost, I almost finished. finished. Mate, that's huge though, because a lot of books are 250 pages. Yeah. Loads are shorter. Yeah. There are, like, you could, like... Yeah, I mean, 125 yeah. pages. I've seen books, so you, that's basically two books you've read.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. so true. To be honest, it's the furthest I've got for a long time. I'm really proud of you. And Thank I really, you. Have,
1: well done, you. I, I love. This. You so you that was finished my it. my semi good. Semi. Such a child.
0: Such a child. Um, what's yours?
1: Okay, th- this is really bad. Like this. Honestly, every week I'm like, what's the good? Um, and on the way here, I was like, fuck, I haven't got a good. And then I was like, look at your life, M. Like everything in your life is so good, which was a really profound thought. Oh my God, I
0: love that. I know.
1: And then as I was driving, I listened to, there's a song song called Conversations with Your 13-Year-Old Self by Pink. And she says in it about when she was 13, she was really sad. And I always related to Pink because I just did. And all of her music, and it was so angsty and whatever, she's just the best. But like all of those beginning out, like the misunderstood album, like, oh my God, I can't even tell you. Anyway, this was part, of, this was her second album, but it doesn't matter. The song, yeah, in it, I was listening to it this morning, and she basically said, like, she wants to go back and, like, hug her 13 year old self and tell her that she's gonna be okay. And then I just started Aww. crying, and I was like, oh my God, this is so deep. I was not gonna cry again. But I was just like, oh, if 13 year old so nice. me could see me now, I'd just be, Ugh. like, she'd be so proud. I was like, look at me, driving my car through London. So proud. To record a podcast. And I'm like, I have a dog and I went for a walk and I like coffee. And like, yeah. I've got my, like, I just, everything. You live is, in a nice place. I love my life. And I literally just was just sitting there in the car with me. I was like, I love my life so much. Yeah, the, I just That's literally really nice. just love my life so much. It is profound and I like it. Yeah, it was really, and mm. I was just like crying. I was like, what oh is my happening? God. So anyway, yeah, I am I think I'm going through something. I must uh, be having a period. You're emotional, in I was going to say, yeah. But for now, anyway, my <laughs> life's great. Um, come back next week with my uterus lining. just gone. But let's go on to your bads. Let's go on to bads. Bad, please.
0: So bad did actually happen. Well, it actually did happen on the day we were going on honeymoon, so I think it counts, right?
1: Oh, yeah, I know you're going <laughs> to
0: tell me. Yeah. So I was, we had like three hours, I think, until we needed to leave for the for the airport. And I was just at my laptop and... Betty kind of wandered over to me, and I could see that she was chewing. I was like, what the fuck's she chewing? And then she just looked at me, and then looked down and like spat something out. And I picked it up and saw that it was the end of a tablet capsule and so I ran round the flat like a headless chicken. It was red, so, so I was like, what's red, what's red? And the only things I could find were paracetamol, but they were, like, all locked up, so I have no idea. Anyway, I rang the vets, and they were like, yeah, it's a toxic dose for a dog your size. Bring her in. So I, I like, flew into the bedroom. Dave was still fast asleep, and I was like, get up now! Because you only have an hour before it, it like, goes into their system. So I was, like, screaming at Dave, at Dave and I, like, we, we went there in our pajamas, um, and on the way to the emergency vets, I was texting Em, because I was shitting myself, because I was like, oh, my God, I'm, we're going on holiday, like, what if it's too late, and she's ingested it, and it's gone into her system, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, Em, because Em's grown up with dogs, and I haven't, so... She uh, immediately put me at ease by listing all the things that her, her dogs have eaten while consumed in the past. And I want to read it out to you because it <laughs> made me laugh so I much. Just, I just
1: need to reiterate before she starts, we didn't feed these things to the dogs. Yeah. This is 27 years worth of hunting on about 10 dogs' behalf. This is not all one dog, although the yeah. vast majority was yes. by our dog, Dodger, Dodger, who died a year yeah. ago today. Not Aww. because of any of these things. At the ripe old age of nearly we fifteen, should stress. he got to fifteen on this diet. So here you go.
0: okay, let me read them out. Um, Boa ate like six earplugs when we first got her. Dodger and Echo drank the equivalent of a bottle of vodka. Digger ate rat poison. Whoopi ate a B. Dodger ate a Christmas cake a year for like four years. <laughs> Dodger ate every chocolate decoration off the tree. Digger ate five advent calendars. Didier ate the birth control pills. <laughs> Bisto ate my advent calendar this year. Bisto eats his own shit. Digger once ate a whole frankfurter sausage without chewing it.
1: And she sicked it back up as well. And it didn't have any bite marks in it. <laughs>
0: It was a fucking legend.
1: <laughs> he must have.
0: Li- he must have literally like inhaled she, it. I mean,
1: literally, she was like. She was like. We just called her like the canine dustbin because she would like be like, <laughs> like all the food would just go in. That's so funny.
0: Um, I can't believe it came out with a lot of bite marks. I know.
1: But when you were like a paracetamol, I was like, "Oh, you'll be fine." <laughs> yeah, you were like,
0: "Chill out." Um,
1: yeah.
0: um So They're dogs so eat. Love.
1: Dogs eat everything. everything. And then, Dodger was half Labrador. Echo's fully Labrador. They just yeah. eat they just eat
0: Uh, yeah and Betty's the same because she's a hound so anyway we took her she got her stomach pumped I felt so guilty Um, and the lady came out and she was like yeah no we didn't find anything in there like no traces of any paracetamol or any kind of tablet powder at all so I was like, "Oh, thank God!" And she was like, "But we did find this." And she opened up, <laughs> opened up her hand. <laughs> like we'd actually been recording the podcast the night before. Do you remember? I yeah. gave her like a, a donut toy, yeah, um, which she usually treasures. Like she rips everything else apart, but she usually treasures that. Anyway, she had basically eaten it, Nothing so the entire toy. Um, <laughs> so I felt very embarrassed, and I felt like she was judging me a bit. The, the vet, but uh, so that was that. That was my bad. What was well, yours?
1: My bad. Go on. Oh, you know this already. I got a court summons. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. I'm not surprised. That's uh,
1: Daisy's face. I'm not opening the letters. I'm not opening the letters, yeah. I mean, like, who <laughs> <laughs> saw it coming? So I told you a few weeks ago, I'm scared of the post. I've always been scared of the post. Nothing good comes in the post. And sometimes good things come in the post, but mostly bad things come in the post. Case in fucking point. But anyway, this is it's my own fault, <laughs> obviously, because I... Didn't open the previous post right with the with the penalty charge <laughs> notice right. in it. So then it got handed to a lawyer who's invited me to court.
0: Invited me. <laughs> invited.
1: Yes. Um, so that and Alex opened it for me because he's really sweet. He saw the letter and he was like, he's like, "I listened to that episode. I didn't know it was such a bad fear, but I'm going to open the post for you." Oh, Which bless. Is really him. nice. So then he so opened so the sweet. post and then he's like, and then but then it's just as bad because he's like, <laughs> "So I've opened the post." so I'm like, "Oh God, the post!" And then he's like, and he's being asked to go to court. <laughs> Which is really terrible, I'm not proud. Um, and I want to tell you that this is the first time it's ever happened, but it's not. This is the second time oh my I've gosh. been summoned to court.
0: So, I love it. Yeah. But yeah. like on the bright side, like, you know, you were saying about like having pen pals in prison. <laughs> like we could all be your pen pals <laughs> in prison. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the That could be, could be really fun. <laughs> no, I'm hoping I'm gonna get off. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so.
1: Um
0: okay, and then you're all oh my god. Awkward. Awkward, okay, awkward. Awkward. I'm actually looking at you two, Daisy and M, because this is this one's your fault, right? So this awkward is a psychological problem, which most of our problems tend to be um, <laughs> purely psychological. Um, so basically, when we were when we talked about weeing in the shower, right? Mm. And like I've done it all my life, mm. okay. Like I've always done it. I've always peed in the shower. I've never thought anything about it. Never thought twice about it, right? And then you two said that you you know you like to kind of stop yourself from time to time because you're worried that it's going to become sort of like a reflex reaction, like to being in water, yeah. yeah? and you, you won't be able to control yourself and you got in my head okay so I went on holiday and to the pool and I couldn't stay in the pool for more than like two minutes I've been like fuck I need to live again I need a wee again I need a wee again and I, I can't I now can't shower without just constantly thinking about it like oh god it's coming out again
1: <laughs> is it coming out were you weeing in the pool
0: no no no. I didn't wee in the pool so I had to get out all the time like Dave was like are you okay I was like I don't think so. I don't think so. Because you just got in my head. And this psychological problem was compounded by how many people DM me after that episode saying, oh, um, I'm a pelvic physio or I'm a physio. Like, this is really bad for you to be in the shower. You're ruining your pelvic floor, blah, blah, blah. So that was my yeah, I've heard awkward is okay. that now I can't be in a body of water without just wanting to piss myself. So there you go. Okay. My
1: it's I don't know. I'm going to regret telling you this. This is a really oh bad no. thing that I did. Oh God. It's, re- it's we related as well. Isn't and it? I'm actually really fucking embarrassed and it takes oh a God. lot for me to be embarrassed. Okay. I was having a wee the other day and I was in a real rush oh. and I thought I need to save time. Like I had loads. I think I needed to have a shower or something and I was in a rush. I was having a wee and I was like, I'll just take my shoes off while I'm having a wee. But then because of my face, I oh, can't no. bend down at the moment because oh, no. because my face is all fucked up. So I had to bring my leg to me, my foot oh, my to God. me, oh, my to take my shit Did shield. you squirt me? So I lifted my leg up. <laughs> oh my God. It's worse to say
2: out loud. But yeah, I lifted my leg up. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> just weedle in the bathroom.
0: Like a reenactment post for the Instagram, people need to see this.
1: As I was doing it, I was like, This is stupid. And then (laughs) then, I've got the sink just in front of the list. i just like, Weed on the sink. (laughs) And then, but then I went down, I was like, Oh, God. And then that would have been one of the things (sighs) that I quietly took to my grave. But. (laughs) Uh, I've started a podcast so obviously I had to tell the story that oh is man.
0: epic that's my favourite awkward uh, definitely one of the ones that should have just stayed uh, in your head I can told you that uh, so yeah I
1: pissed all over my bathroom wall uh, but Alex this has well, to end go. This has to, oh my god we're running out of time 10 minutes our guest is arriving. Gee, I'm
0: really nervous. <laughs>
1: Let me just wipe my tears. I'm really I nervous. I'm to tell you. Are you ready? I hate the
0: unknown. I'm scared. Like, I feel like I'm shaking.
1: Okay, Alex. Are you ready oh to God. find out who's coming on the podcast? Yeah. Today, coming onto the podcast... Yeah. ...is somebody called Benita Norris, who holds <gasps> the world record for being the youngest woman... Youngest woman, woman on the ...to Everest. climb Everest and ski to the North Pole. Fuck off! <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> Are you
0: excited?
1: I know her. What god do you know? What do you mean
0: you well, know no, her? I don't actually know her, but I'm, I I know who she is. You know who she yeah. is. Daisy,
1: she knows know who she, who
2: she is. is. She was
0: twenty when she
1: climbed Everest. She was 20, 22. She was twenty when she did her first eight thousand peak. Minnesota. Oh my god! I've read her book. Don't worry, I've done loads of research. Oh but I, my you, you've god! You've already done the research.
0: Oh my you know, god! You know oh my everything. God. you I've got to so know. much to ask her. I know! I've said today so many times I would love to meet someone who's climbed Everest. Oh my God, I feel like I'm gonna cry. (laughs) Hey! I know I've listened to a podcast with her. Have you? And now you're gonna host a podcast with her? Yes, I swear. I, I I swear. I remember she's. Is a book? She fell down on the descent. She fell on the descent. She, she did, she, did, she, she fell on the descent. The I was, oh, I yeah, she, she fell
1: on the descent and then did a big interview oh about it and, it. and then she's written, a book, she's written a book called The Girl Who Climbed Everest, which I've been reading all week because I had to make up for the fact that I didn't think you'd know anything. And look, you do. But I also knew you'd have all the questions. I have all the questions. You have all the questions. You kept being like, I need to research. I was like, you don't need to research, Alex. You've done months of research. This is epic.
0: This is like way better than I ever could have imagined. I'm
1: so excited. She's been blessed. She's been so nervous. She's been like, no, she's going to be disappointed. I'm like, trust me, she won't.
0: I will not be. I am am like, this is like better than I even could have imagined.
1: Okay, are you ready? Because she's here in
0: seven minutes. Okay, okay. I'm so so ready. I'm so ready. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't believe... I've got so much to ask her. Like, so much to ask her. Does she have a time limit on how long she can stay?
1: No, we've, we've got it for four and a half days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. I feel like for anyone listening that, like, doesn't follow me... They might need to know that, like, I'm an Everest. Well, like, I'm a climbing obsessive without climbing. <laughs>
1: well, basically, yeah. So Al hyperfocuses on things, right? Like, that's fair to say. Like, when you find something it's that you're interested in, yeah. you like, like deep dive yeah. into something. And a few weeks ago, it was Everest, and like, you literally watched everything, right? And like, did yes. Everything. But this is like
0: a historic hyperfocus. This is since like I read a Je- Jeffrey Archer book called Paths of Glory when I was like, I don't know, super young. And it got me obsessed the story of George Mallory, who may or may not have been the first person to have summited Everest. And it got me obsessed. And every few years I I because I watch everything and then the obsession dies because I've got nothing else to consume. And then every few years it picks back up again and I rewatch everything and re-listen oh to everything. So this is like, I feel like I'm gonna cry. This is like so exciting.
1: I'm so excited. I can't I can't believe you that sa- no, this has gone well. This is good. You wanna know something <sighs> really fun just before um you, before she gets here. Yeah. The two of you have a lot in common. Do we? Reading her book, I was like, oh my God, it's Alex. She was also obsessed with Everest. Oh my God. And then look, she climbed it. So I'm just saying, I'm just oh saying. No. Oh, why I do, do I feel like i want to cry? Why is
0: like, I don't know. This is just like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm actually meeting someone. It's like... <laughs> I do not want to climb Everest in any way. Like, I have absolutely no desire to ever step onto a mountain, but it's just something that has fixated me for ever yay, ever yay. and I've always wanted to talk to someone who's done it this yeah. is epic did
1: you enjoy your first surprise
0: loved it I loved it maybe don't do any more surprises because it can't get better the next one. one
1: you're, you're <laughs> climbing Everest next year <laughs> fuck that no you way talk. we've raised a sponsorship it's all very exciting we can't wait okay she's going to be here in okay. five minutes we need to go get her <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you. So I sent the weirdest Instagram message ever. Can I just say I have been dying with
3: anxiety for the whole week because I've seen all the posts you going, is it Meghan Markle? Is it the <laughs> Queen? Is it? It was last night. It was like, I have a feeling it might be Mary Berry or someone like that. And I was like, it's just me. I was dying. I was I like, I can't do this. Either. All your followers are going to be so disappointed. No.
0: But no, yeah. No, no, so
3: no. I, if, if anyone is disappointed, don't worry. <laughs> I am
1: too. That <laughs> <But> is me. <laughs> God, the
3: Instagram world wants me.
1: Like I'm, <laughs> you're in high demand, um, and I'm so excited that you're here. And since I messaged you, and since you've agreed to come on. I've read your book, because I'm not as fanatical about Everest. I wasn't as fanatical about Everest as Al is. And you wrote an amazing book called The Girl Who Climbed Everest, which has been insane. And I'm actually really happy I haven't finished it because I want to hear the rest from you and then get the spoilers. Would you want to tell us about yourself, if you could? Would you mind?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, okay, my name's Benita Norris. I grew up in a place called Wokingham. There are no mountains there at all. I think the <laughs> highest point is like 72 metres or something. Um, and like you, Alex, I think I was a bit of like a mount. Um, armchair mountaineer as a kid like I liked reading the odd book around it and just thought people that climb mountains were superhuman and that I would never do it and they were all kind of bearded men with holy wooden jump woolen jumpers (laughs) and you know they just seemed like a different species and so as much as like I loved reading about it as a kid it just was never going to happen for someone like me I didn't see myself in in that world at all and um I even remember saying to my stepdad when I was, you know, 18 years old, like we'd had a geography lesson about Everest. And I came home and I said, I'm going to climb Everest one day. And he was like, don't be ridiculous. And I thought, yeah, that is ridiculous. Yeah. And, and then um, I was at university and uh, um, went to a lecture about climbing Everest and thought, fuck it. I'm actually going to try and see if I can do this. And I was 22 when I got to the top of Everest. And then I've been to the North Pole since went on like lots of other expeditions because Everest if you've read the book doesn't actually end up going so well Mm -hmm. I heard you in a podcast talking about the way down being more dangerous hell yes (laughs) it's more dangerous I have a lot to say about that
0: yeah I have a lot to ask you about that yeah
3: and so you know a lot of my 20s was just spent trying to go off and do lots of expeditions to the Himalayas Um, and yeah and here I am today
1: because you were, when you did it, you were the youngest person, the youngest woman to have climbed Everest. Youngest British woman. The youngest British woman to have climbed Everest, and then subsequently the youngest British woman to have climbed Everest and ski to the North Pole.
3: I think the youngest person to have done both. I, couldn't, I can't find a man or woman who's younger than me to have, to have done both. And if you
1: are a man that's done both, that's younger, don't say anything. Yeah. Keep yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. what exactly? laughs> <laughs> quiet, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's amazing. How did you go? Like, How? How? That's my question. How did you climb Everest? Like, how did you go from, like, Wokingham to, like, with no hills or, you know what
0: I mean? Like, so, what did you say? You, 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 was it a lecture, did you say? Yeah, so I was at,
3: I was at uni. Um, I think I'd, um, I'd just gone through quite a messy breakup and stuff. And I was just, like, a bit lost and didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. I was studying media arts, didn't really want to, didn't really know what was next. And I guess, you know, so much is up in the air when you're 20 years old. And um, a friend of mine was just like, come to this lecture about mountaineering and we sort of joked about the fact there might be loads of hot guys there and there were not (laughs) when we turned (laughs) up at all. Um, (laughs) Though I did marry a climber in the end, so like there was love eventually down the road. But um, yeah, and I just listened to to these two climbers talk about how they just reached the top of Everest and how when they got to the top, they looked down and they could see the curvature of the earth. And I just thought that was the most amazing beautiful thing I'd ever heard. And the the way they described the climb, it was just like no mobile phones, no emails, no distractions from the outside world. Your 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 whole life comes down to survival. And I love the idea of just like stripping everything back and just seeing what my mind and body could be up against on this mountain. And so it was just I left that lecture so inspired, so full of this like, oh my God, I'm gonna I wanna climb Everest one day. And then again woke up the next morning, just Hung over, and I remember like reality just crashing down on me. You know, this idea that people like me just don't do stuff like this. I, I grew up in Wokingham, I've never climbed a mountain, and it took months from that day to actually even try and take the first step towards this goal because of my limiting beliefs. of Just, you know, girls don't do stuff like this. It's not that girls don't do stuff like that, but someone like me wouldn't do something like that. Yeah. And then in the end, I just remember waking up one day and thinking. I can either go and make my cocoa pops and go and like get to my lectures and have a normal day that nothing changes. It was just like yesterday and it would just be like tomorrow. Or I can make this the day when I actually start trying to make something happen of this dream of mine. And um, so I, I contacted one of the guys that gave the lecture and kind of the rest is history. He was really supportive and um, basically said, you know, anyone can do it. You don't have to be an Olympic athlete. I was like, really? <laughs> you don't have to be superhuman? Sure? What? <laughs> um, he's like, yeah, you could climb Everest. I was like, wow, that's the first time anyone, anyone had said that. And from that point, there were so many uh, men and, and women who were just like, yeah, you can do this. And it was, um, so that was, that was the start. I started climbing at an indoor climbing wall, you know, 10 meter high, like plastic wall. And um, just took it like week by week and built up.
0: Were you any good at it? Like, when you started climbing on the wall? Absolutely fucking
3: terrible, actually. <laughs> like, I, I didn't, I couldn't for the life of me work out for, like, ever how to even do the most basic knots. Like, my brain just wouldn't c- compute. And then once I got it, you sort of get it. But I just thought, I am this... If I'm this shit, like how am I ever how am I ever going to get there? But you just I just stuck at it, and you just like take it one step at a time. I remember someone coming to tell me that like I had my helmet on back to front,
0: and there was a lot <laughs> of people know.
3: at first that would sort of snigger and make jokes because I was quite um, maybe naively open about the fact that I wanted to climb Everest, like that was the plan. And when people saw me with my helmet on back to front, they're like, <laughs> good <luck. laughs> "Yeah, good luck with that." Yeah. And uh, you know, today actually, when I look back, like they're still. Talking about the mountains that they're gonna go and climb and all the big trips they're gonna do and and they're still talking about them and I've actually gone and done them. Yeah. So there is like, you know, certain thing of just keep your head down and be shit, but just keep going until you're good. Yeah. You
1: said something you wrote in your book about your teenage years and um, your struggles with your body image and, and with disordered eating and stuff. And I really want to talk to you about that. But just on the mindset thing, you said in it about how you went on a 46 second run and how it changed your life. And I literally, I was nearly crying reading that because not that Everest isn't the best and most incredible thing in the whole wide world. But for me, like it felt like reading that was like, that's where it started for you was like this one run was like a change in your entire mindset, which obviously changed your entire life. And like, for me, that's just the coolest thing that you can pinpoint like one really short, you know, 46 seconds, which we'd have all thought was, I don't know. You would have you'd beat yourself up for that, right? But in the book, it was the most empowering story that you did this like one forty six seconds, and then next thing you know, oop, highest person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wish it was like that. But no, I mean,
3: um, in obviously in the if you've read the book, you will know that I I had um, bulimia when I was a teenager. So I was and I was really, I was really sick. And when I actually d- decided to do that run, I was at such like a rock bottom. Um, didn't know where to turn, and that just felt like the the being rock bottom makes you realize that the only person that can help you is yourself sometimes i mean obviously now as an adult i look back and i wish that i'd reached out for help but i couldn't at the time there was something in me at the age of 17 16 or something um that i just felt like so alone with with having this eating disorder and i realized that with this like horrible rock bottom moment of like i can't actually see how i'm going to get through the day like that's how it, bad it was and uh, and then I thought, well, I've got nothing to lose anymore. And no one's coming to help me out of this. No one knows that I'm even suffering from this. Like, that's how, you know, you can you, you just don't know what people are going through. And I just decided that it, I, it, it was up to me. Like, there was nobody coming to help me. It was up to me. And so I got on my stepdad's old dusty treadmill that I think when he met my mum, he bought to the house and it was just, like, there in the corner and no one had ever used it. And it actually worked, and I jumped on, and I just had to start running because it just felt like an action for me um, to get get me out of my head. And uh, yeah, I managed to run for forty six seconds or forty two. I can't remember what it was now. What I wrote in the book, but I uh, it was it was like the biggest achievement of my life at that point. It really did feel that way because of where where I'd been a few hours and a few days earlier, and um, the the. I haven't read the book, but there's this book going around at the moment called Atomic Habits. And it's about like doing small things that then have like this rippling effect throughout your day and your life. And that was one of those moments for me. It was just like I get off the treadmill and I was like, I've taken back control. Like I feel like I can do anything now. I don't have to fall for these demons in my head and it was the start of my recovery, which led to me sort of carrying on running and then running half marathons and then a marathon. And then oh, wow. where, do, where do you stop? So then it was like, OK, well, Those if people I... stop at probably before
1: Everest, like somewhere between <laughs> <Yeah>. 46 <laughs> seconds and Everest is where most <laughs> people stop. But it's so amazing. Like it's like the coolest, strongest mind. But I mean, you must have the strongest mind to do what you've done.
3: I I think you really do have to find those like depths of yourself of like strength and resilience that you didn't know you had and you, I think to get to that point where you can really hold it together in under stressful situations is because you've been through many of them when you haven't held it together and you've seen the consequences and like I mentioned at the beginning like I had a, a bit of a disaster on Everest so I, from there you just realize that again like it's it's to be strong in the mountains, you just—it's you, your responsibility. Like you have to do it. It's the most important thing, and it takes a lot of experience. I guess it took me a few expeditions and years of climbing to learn just how strong you do sometimes have to be. Like when when everything's falling apart and you think you might die, you do have to stay really really calm and just get the job done. And that's—and then you can be emotional afterwards, but at the time you have to really. Yeah. Had you killer.
0: climbed an, an 8,000 metre before Everest?
3: I, yes, I had, yeah. Okay. So today I see a fair amount of people, mainly I'd say men, going to Everest with really no prior experience, on, on my, even on my Everest team. The only two people on our team that had actually bothered to try and climb an 8,000 8, metre peak, which is there are only 14 8,000 metre peaks um, in the world, there are thousands of 7000 meter peaks or hundreds and you know blah blah, blah but there's only 14 that go above 8000 meters and that's the key line cuz above 8000 meters you're going into the death zone so it's this really important thing where you have to then start wearing bottled oxygen you have to dress up like this astronaut on planet earth it's a whole different ball game and the only two people that on our team that had actually bothered to try and climb one before were uh, two women me and uh, my yeah. other teammate and the rest of the guys, they kind of turned up. And, like, for them, the fact that they'd been on, like, a 6,000-metre peak and everything was, was right. good enough. And some of them had only climbed, like, to, to four and a half or 5,000 metres altitude. And so that was even lower than Everest Base Camp. And was it
1: good enough? No. For, no. <laughs> for some of them,
3: it wasn't. For, for some of them, it was. But for me, I really felt like I think the standards that women hold themselves to before they try something is a lot higher. Mm. And, um, you know, it's that thing with like CVs, you know, women don't apply for jobs until they think that was me. Like I had to have climbed an 8,000 metre peak and that went well. I climbed a peak called Mount Manaslu. It's the eighth highest in the world. And it was a brilliant experience. Pretty, you know, a lot lower than Everest. So like not as extreme.
1: Reading about your experience on it, like it sounded awful. Like, and I'm, obviously I'm sure it was amazing you, and, you know, you got to the top and and obviously you went on to go and do Everest. But, like, is it like, do you rose tint it afterwards? You know, when you're doing it, it's like this is the worst thing ever. But is it, obviously it's all worth it when you get to the top?
3: Yeah, I say I say it was a, a, a fine expedition. Like, it was straightforward in the sense that there were no, like, major fuck-ups. But at the same time, it was the first, 8,000 meter peak I was 21 years old I was it was the first time I'd ever really been away from my family and I'd never climbed higher than base our base camp so about 4,800 meters which is the height of Mont Blanc and so every step was just this step into will my body shut down now am I getting altitude sickness like the the unknown was so there in front of me every day and you just literally don't know what your capable of like I don't actually know if if I can get to the next camp will my body just give up how am I going to get back down and um it's that like it was such a journey of discovery in some ways of just learning how much you can really push your poor body Mm -hmm. to do stuff that it doesn't want to do and it was so it was one of the toughest experiences in that in that regard but when I got to the top it was just amazing to think oh my god like you know, the, the limits that we put on ourselves physically and mentally are often nowhere near where they could actually be. Like, it's, it was just, it was such a breakthrough moment. So, yeah, it was, but it was really tough. I mean, like, hearing huge avalanches ripping down the peak for the first time ever, like, sleeping in the tent at night and just thinking you're going to be swept away at any moment. And, you know, it's it is it, it was crazy for a 21-year-old. When I look back, I realise, like, how... Crazy
0: that was, yeah. but at the time you just you just got on with it. That kind of leads me to a question that I think for me underpins like my facet my like lifelong fascination with mountaineering, which is <laughs> a very big question is why? Because I think I have never I don't I'm, I'm I feel like I'm quite an empathic person like I'm quite good at putting myself into you know in someone else's shoes, but I have never been able to understand the the psyche behind doing it behind climbing mountains so i would love for you to tell me why why you you know you climbed multiple mountains like multiple 8000 meter mountains where you do go into the you know the death zone when you you know your body's dying essentially like what was it for you that compelled you to to do it and to just keep going with it for me
3: the question has always been why wouldn't I like it why not I don't understand this question of why because for me it was always so obvious for me I actually find it really difficult to actually explain why but it's like I see a mountain and I just need to I want to be
0: on it. I just want to climb it. I just, I don't know. That's all yeah. the, that's the only way I can describe it. So then, for you, for you, then, is there a distinction between like being on the mountain and summiting a mountain? Like, for you, is it the experience of climbing and climbing these beautiful mountains and being in the mountains, or is the objective for you to, to, to summit? Like, yeah, the objective to summit is always an outside pressure. It's always what
3: everyone else cares about. It's what your sponsors care about. Obviously, it's what your, you know, your family that support you. They want you to come home alive, but they really want you to make a success of it. And um and everybody, the media, you know, everybody cares about the summit. For me, I've felt like I've failed on mountains that I've actually reached the top of and I've succeeded on mountains which I when I haven't. I like that. And and yeah. It's like the summit is such a false measure of success, I think um so obviously with everest i had the, I had found myself um by like cold calling like hundreds of british companies. I'd found myself a sponsor who gave me fifty grand, which to me was just this life changing amount of money. There was so much pressure obviously to to get to the top and then I tried k two a few years ago, and I just got my book deal off the back of that, and they actually essentially offered me the publisher essentially offered me a summit bonus which is kind of a a thing you don't do but they didn't they're not in that world they don't really understand they were like we'll give you you know this x amount more if you get to the top because we think we'll sell more books if you get to the top of k2 and Straight away, I was like, I'm writing that off. I'm not even thinking about that because that is dangerous. Like, people can kill themselves, you know, wanting to get that money. That's kind of life-changing money. Yeah, so it's it's something that I really don't care about. It's just about being there, as you say. It's like you wake up on the mountain, you hear the sounds before you open your eyes, and you step out of the tent, and you've got the most beautiful views in the world. And... Everyone else, you know, across the planet is getting on with their job, their boring day, and I'm here on this mountain, and, like, I would rather be
0: there than anywhere else in the world, and
3: that's how it feels. It's hard to explain why. but No, that's nice, and
0: it's nice to hear that it's, it's about being in the mountains rather than the sort of, you know, the desire, basic, I guess, to, to stand on, on top of a mountain. I think I do, I understand that more, but I want to I wanna ask you, like, how conscious... I mean I'm like an incredibly risk averse person. <laughs> I am Safety Susan, my husband calls me <laughs> literally. Like I don't even I, I don't even like drive a car because I am like um, but I, so I'm imagining me on the mountain and just being like just obsessing over everything that could go wrong and I want to know like how conscious you are of because obviously climbing any kind of climbing, you know, comes with inherent risks and danger and and you know one small step can lead to like you know serious consequences and and you know you obviously passed dead bodies on the way up yeah. on, on on Mount Everest so how how conscious are, are you is it in the forefront of your mind like something could happen to me like this is really dangerous um i think as i've got
3: the more expeditions i did the less ignorant i was and I heard um, someone who was in the military talking about, like, their tours of Afghanistan, like, a few years ago. And they were saying, you know, on the first tour of Afghanistan or Iraq, I, I thought I was invincible. And my mm. second tour, I thought, oh, you know, things go wrong, but they wouldn't ever happen to me. And then my third tour, I realized that something will happen to me eventually if mm. I keep doing this. And that was exactly my thing. Like, at first, like, on Manuslu, I, was, I just thought, I'm going to survive. Like, of course I'm going to survive. Now when I was when I was on my most recent expedition to K2 I just was um every I was I was safety season I was really you know every kind of thing we did I was just double checking everything twice and being really careful because yeah the older you get I think slightly the more the more risk of us I've gotten anyway that's become my thing but I also think that um you learn that like the, the risk is like a perception it's not a, an absolute it's not like this is going to kill you or it's not going to kill you it's like mm-hmm. your perception of it is it, it, like if you've seen 14 peaks with Have nims die Have you know he
2: just
3: he just completely blows open like this whole new level of taking risks and just going out there and doing stuff and you and you think you realize again that risk can be like this self-limiting thing um, and that what we think is dangerous, actually, the reality is often nowhere near as bad. And the mountains completely taught me that. It's just like the, the one, in, the mountain in here is actually much worse than the actual real mountain. It's yeah. way more catastrophic and deadly than actually. Okay, just do it. And um, yeah, it's not so scary. I,
0: I guess what what really strikes me about the danger is that you yourself can be as prepared unplanned and you can be uh, and you know as an experienced climber as you could possibly be but like the mountain has its own ideas at the end of the day doesn't it and you're 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 in nature's hands and something could just literally just but how uh, that
1: could happen anywhere
0: I, I know I know, but I know and that's
3: that is how I rationalize it because even that freaks me out and sorry I've had <laughs> I've had mates I've had friends that have died and they shouldn't have died because really. of um something that wasn't their fault, you know an avalanche or rock fall or something, and you start to think, "Well, God, if it can happen to him and he's you know a m- way better mountaineer than I'll ever be, then we should not be here like you just especially when you're on an expedition at the time and something happens and someone dies, you just think, "What the fuck am I doing here?" and and I've packed up my bags many times on a a trip before and told everyone I was leaving and then you give it a few hours and you realize that okay yeah I could go home and I could walk in I could get hit by a bus so I may as well live my life enjoying this climb whilst I'm here and just do everything I can to make it as safe as possible and I always say to myself and like family and friends who worry about me like I will never take a step up the mountain if I feel like it's Beyond that level of accepted risk for me anyway. So it's worked so far. I mean I'm still here. Yeah. But, you, <laughs> yeah. but you
1: had um, you did fall on on the dangerous descent from Everest. Mm. I remember hearing you talk about this on the podcast. Was it the Hillary step that you Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I
1: really want to hear about it. Can I just ask something yeah. before you said before that it's not all about the summit, right? Like and and it's all about the experience. And I guess like I wonder if there's any ego in it. In the summit bit, because you talk about like, you know, the difference between being a female kind of, you know, you can you can recognize like a bit between men and women and like the preparation that you do. So I wonder, like with the summit, is it to an extent an ego exercise in that? The summit, do you think for most people, yeah. the the goal, so they can get the picture on the top and, and then that's why it's more dangerous on the way down because you're a bit more complacent yes. or not. I guess not I can't arrogant, really
3: but. speak for anyone else but me. I mean, I don't go to a mountain thinking, oh, you know, like we'll just hang about and have a you know nice time and take some photos. Yeah. Like, I'm going there because I want to, to try and get as high as I can. and um And I guess that's just like the way the human brain is. We just want to get higher, further, see what's, you know, yeah see how far we can get and um so but definitely there's so much ego involved even for me there's ego involved like for me as a woman on the mountain I was always climbing with guys constantly surrounded by these big egos from all over the world you know like there's never been a you'll never see like a bigger bunch of egos than in the mountaineering world yeah and um god yeah
1: yeah. I I keep thinking about the this is all the questions I have for you about being a woman up there because it just it seems so like it's like gym bros, but like mountain bros. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it, it,
3: it is. And and you know, they but they also there's this like level of because I've done this mountain and this mountain and this mountain, like I'm therefore better or I'm just like there's this whole Really and but then there but then that's a generalization because there are also like I have climbed with some of the most lovely, generous, kind hearted people, and I've been yeah. the bigger ego than they have. So um mm. so it it's all different, but there's definitely a concentration of uh of like those climbing bros Mm. I love that term I'm going to use it (laughs) for now but there's also this concentration of um, oh yeah that's the the CEO of CNN that's the
2: mm, managing director of JP
3: Morgan like there's all these really rich guys that come out there from the corporate world who are just like totally wired in that business world like want to get it done got to get it done and like And you're just like, oh, my God, you know, this is not what
0: this is supposed to be about. And I think... Because
1: Everest is a lot of money, isn't it? It's a yeah, lot of money.
0: But actually, like, that's... And it's it's so irresponsible because a lot of... Like, I'm guessing, like, most of those people aren't experienced climbers. I have, probably haven't done that much before. And then you're putting lives at risk, like the Sherpas and, and like, other people on the mountain... Yeah, yeah, it's a really funny one. I
3: can't, I can't imagine for me. Like, I, just, I do remember being on Everest, and like they were saying, oh yeah, the the, the g- this guy from he's like top of ESPN or something like that. He just would helicopter into into the mountain, climb a bit, and then he'd get a helicopter back to Kathmandu so he could stay in a five star hotel. And that sounds nice to me, actually. I was just like... This is how Alex, This is
1: how we get <laughs> Alex up Everest,
3: everybody. I could, I could do that. I know there would be sort of like putting a downer on it, but actually, yeah, Five Star Hotel would be lovely after. Um, but no, but I just, for me, like the whole, as I said to you at the beginning, like the whole experience of being there on the mountain, like waking up, hearing the sounds, like being part yeah. of it was just... Mm. So I didn't I didn't really get that. But for him, that's his decision. That's the way he wanted to do
1: it. Do you feel like, because I know, like I saw, I know nothing, but I saw the 14 Peaks um Film documentary, and obviously uh, your man took the photo of like the really famous like traffic on Everest or whatever it is, you know, like and all. But I wonder, like, because I mean, Everest belongs to everyone, right? I mean, particularly to the, Sh- the Sherpas and the Nepalese people. But I mean, like, does it feel like? I mean, how, how can you answer? Because mountain's not yours. But I, I wonder if there is like a feel of like it's too much or like it's too commercial. And it, does it just take away all the like magic? It, it does. Definitely seeing that
3: photo was kind of like, oh, gut-wrenching. Um, I was just really, I felt really lucky that I wasn't in that picture because if I'd have just woken up with this dream a few years later, that could have been me. And I knew people in that queue. And um, I felt for them because they had, wanted it just as much as I had and then to actually get there and like just be standing in this massive queue for hours just must have just ruined it's the it's not experience. like that like all day every
1: day it's, it's not like it's no. sort of, like Alton Towers like we're <laughs> just waiting for Splash Mountain <laughs>
3: Um so what had happened there was uh, there was um a delayed weather window. So when you're climbing up to like the death zone above 8000 metres, the death zone is essentially there is so little oxygen I wish up they'd there.
1: It's something else. It's like, I like even reading in your book I'm like this sounds awful. Oh, <laughs> I don't oh, to be oh, in the death oh, zone?
3: Yeah. It's because you start to die when you go above oh, 8000 metres. Yeah, There's he's, no he's, such thing as... your
1: tummy not working when you were up there. Like your yeah. tummy
0: stops working yeah. when you're... Yeah, it dies, doesn't it? Oh, not dies, but like... It <laughs> 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 dies! Yes. Oh, <laughs> Dead but doesn't the oxygen, like, go mm. to your, like, all to your brain? Because it needs just help.
3: Absolutely. So uh, above 8,000 metres, there's so little oxygen. I think it's like 30% of what we have at sea level. So your body goes into this survival mode and it slowly starts to shut down and you'll you'll eventually die up there. There's no... There's no acclimatization there's no adaptation up there but it does go into like this survival thing where it's like right your brain needs a constant supply of blood that's the that's the most important thing so we're going to divert all the blood from your body to your to your brain and that means your stomach is like seen as the first thing to go it's like we don't need that right now yeah yeah and you can't digest food so even when like you know up I, I love my junk food. I love, you know, Mars bars. And the most what was the exciting thing about going to Everest was, like, we are going to eat all this amazing food on the mountain. And um, and I couldn't eat any of it. Like, if you'd have shown me a custard cream biscuit the day before the summit, I, I would have looked at it. And I know that that is going to give me energy to get to the top. Yeah. And it's the most important thing. But you are just, you feel so nauseous and so really. sick. But you do learn. Again, it's one of those things where you learn to kind of just get on with it. Like, it's not a question. You have to do is it. Is there but, another
0: way of, like, consuming calories? Can you... So you've got energy. Is there anything you can... If you can't eat?
3: Um, you just have to eat. You just have to do it. Really? even though you Even though your body can't really digest it properly, you just have to get something in. And it's just... Um, it's, it's in some ways, it's, like, yeah, one of the more tricky parts in the tent. But the, the climbing is actually, in some ways, kind of nicer and easier than what you go through in the tent sometimes. Like getting your tired blistered yeah. body into like boots and a thing you know the big suits we have to wear and um it's trying to sleep up there when everything is just soaking wet nothing there's so much water vapor in the tents because you've got four of you in sleeping together and so all your breath and sweat like freezes on the tent walls and then melts in the morning when the sun comes up it's just like so you're covered wow. in your in all this stuff and you're soaking wet and then you've Trying to eat a biscuit to give you some energy to leave the tent, and you're like, I just can't wait to get
1: out and just start walking. Yeah, yeah. at least um, on purpose yeah. And you're not purpose. Yeah, you sort of fester in these tents. Yeah, um, yeah. we got distracted. Sorry. The, the, Sorry. The, yeah, that was my bad. But the um, the 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 queue.
3: Yeah. So um, the queue, I I didn't have to queue, which was really lucky. I think I just climbed it a few years before it went totally nuts up there. Yeah. Now it's just like a different level. Um, there wasn't There wasn 't a queue, but how do you know until you 're going to get there but anyway the the reason that there was a queue was because up at eight thousand meters and above, you have the jet winds, basically, like you know the the really strong winds that sort the global weather out and when the monsoon rises over India in the spring, this massive monsoon weather front forces the jet stream over Everest away by about ten miles, it like just nudges which is, I know this is getting very technical, but I find all this so fascinating. And so there's this window of calm when the jet stream is pushed away by the monsoon, but then the monsoon is coming, so the snows are coming. And um, so you've got like a few days really when you can actually climb to the top and it's just this magical window in in like the the real kind of planets earth's like weather that that you can actually get to the summit and I, and I find that fascinating and that year when that queue that queue was pictured it was just a really late weather window and people were so just desperate so everyone to. went at the same time yeah yeah which normally doesn't happen
1: i ha- i know nothing about i'm so late to this so i really feel like i'm just like you guys know so much more about this stuff. but it felt to me a little bit like you know what do they say about like you moan about traffic but you have to remember that you are the traffic yeah. like when you know and I felt for him like because your man put the picture up and it was kind of like traffic on Everest. it was a bit like sarky like oh traffic on Everest mm-hmm. and it's like you're there too yeah. like and everybody's there yeah. so it's just like do you, do you have to sh- I don't know you can't I'm sure you can't answer this but I mean like it just it feels I, like I think it
3: was important for that picture to come out because I think it's up to governments and um the court the, the, the big sort they're not corporations but they are these commercial um, companies that run exhibitions on Everest to actually wake the fuck up and do something about it because yeah. it's really dangerous yeah. you have to come down pretty much the same rope so if you get to the summit and there's a hundred people on that rope there are some really steep sections on the Hillary step I know that and yeah. you know if I'd have had to have like been climbing over people to get back down if you were in an emergency if your oxygen broke or something like people die because there's queues and yeah. I just think I hope that something changes on that mountain but there's so much money involved yeah. um, and it's you know it's an, it's it's um, changed the lives of a lot of the people that live around the mountain you know they've got they've, they're really into the tourism industry now and you don't want to take that away from them but there's got to be a line where you, you can't just keep you can't just keep taking more and more people every mm-hmm. year
0: yeah yeah, Um so much to ask you. I'm trying to, like, order it in my, my head. I'm trying to, like, order it, like, up the mountain and then back down again. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> um, I, I want to know, like, I really want to know what it feels like that, like, when you go above 8,000 metres. Like, what does that... Because, like, I think I said to you, I went to Yosemite a few years ago, which is, like... Hardly off the ground, and I couldn't eat or sleep for a week. And I literally going upstairs. I was like, yeah. "So <laughs> I can't." You're okay. No, no I, I didn't sleep for like a week. I didn't know why. And then we got when we got back down from like, it was probably like seventy meters. <laughs> um, I was fine again. So yeah. I can't imagine going up. I mean, obviously you have the acclimatisation process don't you where you, you go up and then back down and then you go up to sleep in the camps and then come back down and da, da, da. but what does what does that feel like when you've got only got 30% oxygen like you you did bottled mm-hmm. oxygen right yeah. but still like what does it feel like I just can't imagine
3: I you know I think it's like childbirth I think you really quickly forget the, the pain you? of it but um, I once just before an expedition I was going away and I I, I I got really bad flu and I was lying in bed like unable to move and I and I was like Oh, I know this feeling. This is what it's like being in the death zone. It's like really? when your whole body is so exhausted that you can hardly get out of bed and then you've got to put on all of this equipment, this really heavy pair of boots, this this big one-piece suit, which is like a, a duvet, which, you know, weighs quite a lot, and then carry this backpack and go out in the dark in the middle of the night in minus 40 degrees and climb um, to the top of you know, Everest or something, <laughs> when you've got flu. That's kind of how it feels. Oh, but it sounds it's, awful. <laughs> it sounds awful, Horrible. doesn't it?
1: Absolutely horrific.
3: Um, I remember struggling. You know, you have to take a break between putting your shoes on because it's such um, a strain just to get your shoe in your, uh, your foot in your boot and then lace it up that you have to then lie down because your heart rate, my heart rate, I think was probably about 150 beats a minute just from putting my shoes on. Seriously, Um, It feels like you're sprinting on a treadmill and, and then like trying to breathe through a straw, like there's no, there's no air, there's no air. And when, and when I remember getting the oxygen mask on for the first time, it's really claustrophobic. Every time you (gasps) inhale, the mask sucks onto your face and it I, I just remember right. feeling like it was like having an octopus like splattered over my really? face, like sucking onto oh, me. And God. so you want to rip it off. Your instincts is just like, rip this off. It's, it's so giving moment. But then there's no air out here. So it's so ah. counterintuitive to keep it on. But it's all those things that at first it's really tough. But, you know, in my most recent times of being up in the death zone, I've had to be like, are we ri-? surely we aren't? Because I feel, f- I feel great now. I feel fine and is, right. so your body is amazing at adapting and like yeah definitely on the first few expeditions it, it felt like I was, I was dying essentially yeah. but um, on the more recent ones it's definitely felt like oh are we here okay great you know cool. uh, oh, so I, doubt, so it, I doubt it would be like
0: that now I haven't been away for a while so it's like muscle memory then your body like
3: Definitely. Re- remember, yes. I've done this before. Yeah, it's and it and it's 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 weird. Um, but the human body has like the the ability of it to like just react to what you put it through is is incredible. And I'm in ever just awe of it, especially the way I treated my body and hated my body when I was a teenager. Yeah. Um, and then to actually go and do Everest, and I remember getting back to the hotel after the expedition was over, and I remember going into the my hotel room and in the, in the undressing for a shower for like my, my first shower in six weeks. And I had this body suddenly that I didn't recognise. I hadn't seen it. It'd been under layers of clothes and it had done so much for me. Like it got me to the top of the world. And it was this emaciated, skinny thing. And I realized that it was the body that I'd wanted as a as a teenager when I had bulimia. And right. that I and I just felt so bad for it that really? I'd like that I'd punished it so much as a kid. And then I actually got it by accident really, by like, putting it through hell on this mountain. And um, hadn't seen the changes going on the whole time, hadn't been aware, there's no mirrors there, you know, you just don't have a clue. And then I was like, "Oh my god! Like you're amazing!
0: <laughs> you're oh, Like to my body." That's um, wonderful. But yeah,
3: but you know, like that that emaciated state did not last more than like the first oh my god, no, few days. Oh yeah, I woke up the. Ravenous. I know, <laughs> I woke up the next morning after like the first night back in the hotel, and I woke up and I was just surrounded by the detritus of the mini bar. like <laughs> everything, I, <know>. I <laughs> everything, love it. Like, <laughs> empty packets of Pringles everywhere. But, yeah, and Can just, I ask you a gross question.
0: Yeah. Did you stink when you finally took everything off? Well, that's not off. as gross as some of the questions i have to be honest because if me you not it's fine like well, if, if, I if i hadn't showered for six weeks you when you're when you're,
3: you're in the, yeah when you're at altitude so there's less oxygen so there's less okay. bacteria so you tend to not stink. Right. but some people really stink yeah. yeah like we we do stink but we all stink and yeah. also you don't stink as bad as you probably would if you're at sea level okay
0: um, so, so it wasn't like oh my god like help. i think
3: you get to an, a point of stinking where you just no longer know like you're, you just stink so if you stink like okay. any, I don't know, that. I do remember coming back from my first trip, my first expedition I got the bus back from the airport because uh, I think I'd like forgotten to tell anyone that I was coming home and I was on the bus and I knew that I stunk like I really stunk because I hadn't washed any clothes and I realised that everybody had moved away from me on the bus. Really?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and it wasn't like people were actually
0: sort of getting up and moving away and I
3: just thought yeah okay Fair enough.
0: Just have a shower. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I I can't imagine. I mean, this this whole trip, like, it costs a hell of a lot of money, right? You put your body through all of this, and the time as well. Like, it's a lot of time, right? And the goal, like, you know, okay, I, I guess you were saying before, like, it's not necessarily the goal, but it kind of is, it was, Like to, yeah, to, it was. to summit, like, and you do want that moment, right? It's a proud moment, and so in my head, I'm thinking like. Is it euphoric? Is it this like, wow, I have done this, I am on literally on top of the world? Or are you just thinking, like, shit, I've got to come down now? Yeah, that's pretty much it. It was we
3: were on the top for ten ten minutes.
0: Really? Wow. After two years do?
3: of work. Um we got there and I I just I was there with um my Sherpa buddy, who Lakpa Ongju, who was just an amazing guy. Like, we're the same age, and by the time um, we got to the top of, of Everest, he had already had two kids and climbed it four times. Wow. I was like, wow. I like, really inadequate. <laughs> so, um, um, but anyway, so we were there, and so I remember kind of hu- that hug, you know, that was an amazing feeling. But the the emotion was relief. It was this tidal wave of relief, because after all the risk and the not knowing and am I going to die? Am I going to fall fat on my face? Am I going to never make the top? You just have all these what ifs, what ifs all the time and you never really think you're actually going to make it. Like it's Hollywood movies don't happen to people like me. Yeah. And so to actually get there, I just felt this like massive wave of relief. And also like I'm so thankful that I trusted that gut instinct, that little kind of, stupid little flame somewhere that was like the one thing that guided me to keep going when I had some really low moments like trying to find 50 grand to pay for the mountain to pay for the expedition was was like took me nearly a year to try and find that money so I could go on the actual trip and there were so many times then when I just thought no one's ever going to give me this cash you know I'm not fit enough like all this stuff and then on the mountain you have all this diff- different kind of fears so yeah to get to the top it was just like fuck I was right to trust in that yeah. that gut instinct I was right to to go after this crazy dream and um, and so it was it, yeah it just sort of blows your, blew my mind open really but the pr- I didn't feel proud until I saw my teammates on the top and one of them, Rick, he took out this T-shirt that he'd drawn on at base camp and it said like a message to his sons. Aww. Like, oh, dad's on top of the world. And I just like burst Aww. into tears. I was so proud of him and I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, Rick's like climbed Everest and then I had to keep like checking with myself. Like, you've done it too, but <laughs> yeah. it was so Did you yeah. leave anything there on the um, summit or? I didn't leave anything, but I did, I have actually brought something to show you. Um, <gasps> I've got some rock. No, yeah. <laughs> oh my
0: god.
3: So this is a piece of rock from as closest to the top as we could get because there's actually no, no rock on the summit. But <laughs> oh um, my god, that's so. So this cool. is rock from the Hillary Step. But no, you take your photos. Some people um, take 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 snow from the summit and um, like I think Bear Grylls took snow water from the summit and kept it and christened his children with it which is such a lovely idea wow didn't think of that at the time cool. really annoyed with yeah. myself for that's missing amazing. out on that that's huge okay. so people people do some people do bury um i think one of my teammates buried like a a little trinket on the top but i didn't want to leave anything next it's like there's enough like um stories about trash on everest as, as it is yeah. so i don't really want to like be to burying it. all of my stupid shit on the top yeah. did you um did you see the
0: curvature of the earth did you have that full circle well moment? we
3: did at the sun at sunrise we were just about to climb the hillary step and the sun um burst like over tibet and rose because we climbed through the night to get to the summit for just after sunrise so that we'd have all that daylight to get back down again because we all know that like getting down is the dark, the dangerous bit so you need to have daylight so we climbed up in the dark and then the sun came up over the over when we were on the Hillary step which is like this famous rock wall. Um it's the last kind of gateway to Everest summit really. Uh, it's really dangerous, really steep. And I was just just about to start that and I was quite nervous and then the sun just like burst over beneath us like you're looking down on the sunrise and all of the mountains around just turn this like luminous pink and wow. it's the most amazing colors and um I remember like the snow around my feet turning pink and just like this fiery colors, and then feeling all the warmth on my cheeks, yeah. and that was amazing. And then you can see the curvature of the earth, kind of illuminated by that. And on and on the other side of the mountain, you could turn around and it was still dark, and you could see like incredible stars. Wow. And then, sort of splitting night and day in half, was this pristine white or pristine like beautiful pink fiery summit. That's crazy. So it was um, it was beautiful, but yeah, it was. I mean, the curvature of the earth in some ways was like gorgeous to see and very emotional. But climbing through the dark, we were looking down on on thunderstorms, thousands of meters beneath us. You're, like you're what? in the world of the gods I up there. I, That's, I can't compute
1: that. I know. I can't compute that because the, the rains in the sky. How you above yeah. the sky? Exactly. Did you, That's did, you, did you
0: did you climb through cl- a cloud at all? Clouds?
3: Yeah, yeah. We were, we mean really low down. We would climb through clouds, and so we were. Is that well, like base well camp it? clouds? Yeah, yeah, even lower than base camp, you you can get clouds but
1: my mum climbed to base camp. That's cool. Yeah it is. Wow. Like two years ago, three years ago. Anyway, Does she like it? Does she Yeah, she's the type that I was like, I know what will happen. I know she'll look at that and be like, I
0: could do that. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah like she's done <laughs> and, she she pro- and she absolutely could, I'm oh, sure oh of me, it. she did her first Iron Man age fifty and she's done oh, one she, every year well, since for sure she be able could. to climb over But... Terrified of heights. Oh. I can't even climb a ladder. That's so. Probably not ideal. Honestly, I, I, I was delighted. I, I, because oh. I, I was so scared. She was like, "I'm going to go do, you know, even with base camp. I was like, if you go up there and you like the look of Everest, I don't trust you not <laughs> to be like, oh fuck it. I'll, yeah. <laughs> after, I'll oh, just, yeah, plus a little extra. yeah, exactly. <laughs> got spare oxygen belt yeah, on. Exactly. Then I thought, at least she's scared of heights, <laughs> so she won't do it. But yeah. Really, yeah, so sorry. we got
3: we got that moment. But when we actually did get to the top, we were in a cloud, total whiteout, like there was no really? view at all. So that <laughs> whole thing of wanting to get to the top and see the culture of the earth did not happen. And people are like, oh, does that disappoint you? And I'm like, well, look, you know, there's no certificate when you get to the top of Everest. There's no gold medal. There's nothing there. There is no view even sometimes. But that, you don't care about that because you are there with this group of people who you started the trip as strangers and by the end of it, you're, like, family standing on top of this mountain. And just to, like, be there with them, that was the best thing. Um, and uh, to know, as I said, that you've done it and that relief. So, yeah, that was okay. – it was incredible. But you're there for ten minutes and then it's like, yeah. oh, shit, we've got to get back down.
0: Yeah, because just thinking about, like, now I'm shaking myself thinking, right, wrong summit. And we've got to do the descent. And you don't have – like, it's 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 harder, right? The descent is harder because you're tired. Yeah, it is and isn't. It's a lot easier because gravity's on your side now,
3: so we would literally run down the the, the hill, the the slopes, that we would spend hours toiling our way up, which is amazing. Yes, yeah, so pretty much. My like, knees can't um, handle oh my like God. the other side of a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> we, when you're that desperate to get back to base camp, yeah. Um, yeah, and you're already in so much pain, like what's a, a knee what's kind of a break? <laughs> yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, a jog.
1: I won't even run for the bus, and you're running down Everest.
3: That's insane. <laughs> but that by that point, you're so excited, like you've got to the top, you've yeah. got it in the bag, you just want to go to base camp. And I was aware as well; it's like dangerous up here. Let's get back down. So we were, lacpra and I were. We sort of didn't rush, but we were moving really quickly back down the mountain, overtaking loads of people that were sort of slumped over, exhausted. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, everyone's got to get down. We've got to get down. Like, all I'd heard is you need to get down um, as fast as you can. And I think I got a bit pissed off going down the peak because we were having to climb around so many people that were just sort of like...
2: Chilling.
3: Chilling and and slumped over. And um, so I was like, oh, God's sakes and picked up this duff piece of rope, which I didn't realise. It wasn't a duff piece of rope, but it was trapped around um, a, a rock, a boulder. And when I picked it up and sort of launched myself over this edge, it then f- it, this rope then came free, um, and all of this slack came into the rope. Oh, my God. So um, what I was expecting, you know, as I pulled on it and, like, launched myself over the edge to come tight, it didn't come tight. It just kept going. And so then I'm suddenly falling. And there's, you know, there's, a thou- there's at least a thousand-metre drop one side I think there's like a 2,000 meter drop the other side so you're not you're not you know you've got to land on on the hillary steps still or you're going to die and I did thankfully um and I sort of bashed my back my neck I sort of really slammed into this rock thought I was fine Sort of stood up a bit shaken and um carried on and then it was about I don't know an hour later that um I realised I, I can't move. I actually can't move. Really? Yeah, I can't move anymore. Like, my whole, my neck was in absolute agony. Like, my shoulder, I couldn't, every time I even tried to lift up my leg, I was getting, like, stabbing pains all up my spine. And uh, I just couldn't hardly move anymore. And I remember saying to my, to LACPA, like, I can't, I can't do this. And we just, we were then, like, I was then that person slumped over. And all the people that we had overtaken on the way down started to pass us. And eventually, like, the last guy came past, and I realised that it was getting dark, and the, the clouds had all come swelling in, and he, basically, like, this, this American guy, he gave me some paracetamol and was like, good luck. And suddenly we were up in the death zone on Everest, completely on our own, and Paracetamol. It was, and it was getting dark. Paracetamol. I know. Oh. Like, <laughs> it's, just, it's literally like, oh,
1: I see that shark Here's, a, Here's a plaster. Here's a jelly yeah. <laughs> Well, at
3: least he stopped. That's how that's how I feel about it. Like so many people just walked yeah. on. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I just like now, like my God, we were literally in our own disaster movie. Like I could not, I could not believe that it had gone from me achieving this dream, I was on top of the world, and then it had all gone so wrong so fast. And I, and Lakpa at that point when we were there, up there on our own, he just gra- grabbed me at the shoulders, and I could see the fear in his eyes, and he was like, "If we don't move, we will die." And that was like the the kick up the ass I needed because I was like I cannot kill LACPA. I'm not going to be responsible for his death and so I was just like we need to get down and um, and uh, with the, with his help and with my other teammate Rick who I didn't realize but he had realized that we were like far behind and so he waited and he helped as well and we got we got down but it could have you know if if it wasn't for Lakpa saying like giving me that shake and being like pull your shit together yeah that's when I realized about the whole thing we said earlier, like you just, it doesn't matter how exhausted you are. It doesn't matter how emotional you are. You cannot, you cannot let that overcome you. You have to still be in control. And yeah, so we got, we did get back down to camp um, at like 11 PM and we'd left our tent at 9 PM the night before, or nine or 10 PM. So I'd been oh, out in the death zone for like 24 hours.
1: Oh my, and God. were you physically okay or like injured? What, what happened when you fell? Um,
3: so I, I don't know, uh, basically. I never really got a diagnosis for what happened, but I, I just properly sort of bashed up my my back, my shoulder. I didn't break any bones, but I think the pain felt like it might have been a trap trap nerve or something had happened. But the next morning when we woke up, um, this this other guy gave me, like, he just, I just remember him pouring this, like, concoction of tablets into my hand they're all different colors and shapes and sizes and i just want like chuck them in and then as i climbed down the mountain was just like rippling and moving and i was completely and it was the only thing that got me down like basically because the pain as soon as they wore off i was in absolute agony and could barely move again um but yeah i had to climb down on my own i guess you can't check if you're
1: bruised like you can't it's not you can be like oh can someone look at my arm because it's cold you can't take yeah i mean i was i was
3: i did have a little bit of bruising but it wasn't I think there was something that had like I had caught like there was a yeah. trap nerve or something had like gotten I don't know yeah God, nicked inside my terrifying. skeleton it was
1: just yeah, yeah that's so scary and, but was everybody else on your trip okay
3: they were I mean they because they were out so late with me you know some of them got a bit of frost nip frost bite on their on their fingers like nobody got any sort of issues but when we got back to base camp <clears throat> there was this huge party obviously and the base camp cook, he'd like made a cake, how the fuck do you make a cake at five and a half thousand meters <laughs> every space, I don't know, but he'd managed to make this cake, and uh, and I just was there like, oh my god, I really don't feel like I can even be a part of this celebration, and then after uh, that, the um, Rick took off his gloves, and he had frostbitten fingers from helping me, um, and I just, it was like the worst thing in the world, I was like, I can't believe I've given you fucking frostbite, I can't, I can't believe like I felt terrible and the, from there I just left Everest and I just felt like completely broken I was just like I, I put my teammates at risk I could have killed Per. you know I I gave Rick Frostbite um, it was just it all just felt like a, the biggest failure that you could possibly imagine no. and I don't when I look back now I, I can see you know that there's loads of people all the time that have yeah. disasters on Everest or not even on Everest but they fall and they need help and I've helped people that have needed it as well and I've never regretted helping them. But when you are like, I was sort of 22, doing this by myself, didn't really have anyone to kind of talk me through it all. Um, I just felt really guilty and got back home to this like massive media frenzy being in all the, I am so glad that social media didn't really exist, but like front page of every newspaper and on the news and people at the airport taking photos of me and privately dealing with this feeling of like massive failure, but being like branded this huge success at the same time. And then going on to being, like, highly sexualized by the media. And, like, you, I listened to your podcast and about with Jamil, Jamil about, like, building women up and then tearing them down. That, like, totally happened to me as well. Really? Um, and having to have this very public suddenly, no one, you know, you're working for all these years towards, no one gives a shit. You know, I couldn't get anyone to pay attention to me. I couldn't get anyone to give me any sponsorship. No one wanted to know me because I was a nobody. And you come back from Everest really needing time to go and heal and, like, figure out what happened. And suddenly, I was just everyone else's property, and it was a, it was really weird to deal with. Um, which I'm only as like a thirty-year-old woman, like starting to realize like how fucked up that was, you know.
0: Mm. At the time, but um, yeah, yeah. Because did you say sorry? I think I made that up. But um, the media like really oversexualized you. Yeah. Oh, you did say that. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, did I make that up in my head? Sorry.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was like Everest. Girl, four, like all of this stuff. And, and I um, I remember the son wanted to do a photo shoot with me. And this is so naive. And I went along thinking, like, yeah. it's going to be a nice, like, they're going to take a picture of me and then they're yeah. going to do the interview next to it. And at one point, the guy said, the photographer said, can you just put your hands up, like, like above <gasps> your head? Oh, my God. And I didn't think twice about it. And that's the picture they used. And it looks like I'm... Sort of doing this kind of bikini pose almost because I've got my hands up on my head, and they they printed it, and I was just I was like oh, I can't believe my like my parents are gonna see this. this is just awful. You're just not what you want. Like that's no, not right. what I'd gone into this for, and so yeah, like it's, the, like it's
1: just a great like you've just climbed fucking Everest, and it's just like oh, but she's a woman, so <laughs> like push boobs
0: like, like, out.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I mean, would they have done that to a guy that climbed Everest? Were you course imagining they wouldn't Rick with his hand no. on his head, no. like, Yeah, no. just, no, they wouldn't have done it. And they wouldn't have tried to, you know, the, even the headlines, the, like the captions for pictures and everything we used was just way uh, overtly, sexu- like, sexualizing. And I, that was not what I went into this for at all. Like, I just wanted to go and climb a mountain. But... Yeah. Um,
1: it's so, um, I've never thought about that. You've never seen, like, Ranulph Fiennes, like, you know, showing yeah. a bit of leg. Like, that's crazy. No, like, It's so, was, so irritating. Oh, it's
3: so, it was so irritating. And also, it's quite, it felt demeaning because there's so much misogyny in the climbing world because of our heroes, yeah, like Ranulph yeah. Fiennes. And, like, oh, look at her. Like, who does she think she is? Like, putting her, you know, getting her tits out in the sun. Not that I did get yeah, too much offer for of anything, but, but also those are the way But also, if you,
1: win- you have tits, that's fine. But I need to ask about, like, the misogyny in the climbing stuff. Like Is it... Like I, obviously I'm not doing anything like mountains, but I've done a lot of cycling um, and I've done a lot of it with military charities and oh my God, I've been patronized like mm. so much. Cause I was like 18 when I started and I'm, you know, shit obviously I wasn't doing a lot, but I just did a lot of charity bike rides and I was really patronized. And that's a bike ride and that's not Everest. And, and I, I, it's, it annoyed me so much. Cause I was like, you just don't talk to men like this. And there must be so much of that for you. Like, is it really, do you, is it really patronizing? Not all of them, obviously, but just generally the culture. Does it feel quite patronizing? I I mean, I think it's amazing that you actually were able to see that
3: you were being patronized and that you wouldn't, you wouldn't have been treated like that if you weren't a woman. (sighs) Yeah, but I was born, like, I was born this angry. (laughs) (laughs) Because when I was there, I just thought it was like, there's so much banter, there's so much piss taking all the time. And I just thought that that was... You know, I deserved like you know fair play, whatever. So um, I remember once asking if I could help one of my teammates with some ropes or something, and he just said, "No, just sit there and look pretty." Like just fuck off, basically. Oh, I know it was I stuff help like that. Then, and like... Just, yeah, now I wouldn't. I would have completely torn into that, but at the time I was like twenty years old or whatever, and just didn't think, couldn't think of what to say. Um, the the climbing world was definitely, yeah, it's it's definitely full of misogyny. But now when I look back and I think about these big macho guys that, that climbed like there were for instance when I went to the summit of Everest I was on my period
1: I'm so pleased you were on your period because <laughs> I wanted to ask this I was oh like god, what do, I you was, do you, I was, do, you yeah, do I was on, on my for.
3: fucking period so I was climbing with like these six foot four guys and they're all strong and they're all like these uber climbers and blah, blah, blah. and I was like on my period at the time it was something that I was mortified by but now I look
1: back and I think my
3: god you thought it was hard enough I had to do it Oh on
0: my fucking period. period. Oh
1: my God. I, this, I would do anything on my period. I'm, I'm not doing anything. I, like, I'm not cooking dinner. i want my fucking period. <laughs> and you're like, I do know I was going to climb Everest. Oh my
3: god! I didn't exactly expect it to come at that exact moment, but it's a full. It was a full moon, and uh, you so just—it's really undignified. Like you're all in a tent together, and I just had to like pull my sleeping bag up around me and just like try and do my business and just hope that they weren't too in- interested. And do
1: you take? Sorry, I, I I I literally said this to Alex this morning. I was like, I need to ask if you you use tampons or do, what do you do you take it? Basically, you don't have to tell me that, but do you do you take it with you up the mountain because you can't litter? Presumably, yeah. no, you
3: wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, I would never leave anything like a tampon or a sanitary towel no. on the mountain. But no, I didn't want to be f- messing around with tampons. So I was just using sanitary towels and then no. like wrapping them in the little thing and just putting them in a special pocket in the backpack and yeah. taking them back oh, to base camp yeah, where, yeah, they would. Yeah, so, you know, and it's just like that's a fact of it. But at the time that, that was mortifying because you just want to be like the guys. And now yeah. I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, I was so badass. Like I was climbing yeah. on my period yeah, and they sick. they were complaining about how hard it was. I was pretending like nothing was wrong; it's all fine. But you know, women privately, we go through so much, and we get on with it, and we do exactly what men do. But we are, we can do it while bleeding. Yeah, which is, um, and that's at, cool. And at
0: twenty, were you twenty? I was twenty-two. At twenty-two years old, like that's
3: just wild. I just think we hold ourselves to the standards of men, yeah, and 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 we're not men. You know, we we have like. Yeah very different bodies especially when you're in like a sporting thing like cycling or climbing and especially with expeditions like you're living on a mountain with guys everything in the mountains is set up for men like Mm -hmm. the the clothes where the zippers are everything is designed for men and so as women we just have to I mean I, I hope it's different now but especially when I was climbing like 10, 15 years ago just starting out, it was it was like nothing could fit me, like, no, you know, nothing worked. It was all about guys. And you just had to get on with it and not make a fuss because to make a fuss would be like, oh, typical woman
0: kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, emotional. Yeah, yeah. Nightmare. exactly. Jesus. This, this thought isn't fully formed and it might be totally tenuous, but let me try. Obviously, like, when men go and climb, climb Everest, it's like, yeah, you go, like, you do whatever. But it was it more for women to do it? Is it more of a, like, oh, that's a bit... Um, you know selfish or to like leave people and is there more of an now? expectation around like oh you know that's that's a bit selfish of you whereas for a man it's like strong and you go and you conquer yeah I
3: think I'm not I, I I definitely did I didn't have uh kids when I when I was climbing Everest and stuff but I was climbing with men who did have children and I know that it like tore them apart that they were leaving their children they worried about them all the time they like desperately missed them and um, missed their wives you know they're human beings too um, but um, for sure, I think it's it's not so much in the climbing world because I, I I think men understand that they're taking the same risks as women. But the media, yeah, that's where like so when when I was in 1995, so I think I was eight, um, a, a mountaineer called Alison Hargreaves with she had two children and she died on K2 trying to become the first British woman to climb. K2 which is the second highest mountain way more dangerous than Everest it's known as like the deadly peak and all of that stuff and she died and her children are grown up now and there's a great documentary on BBC have you seen it yeah, um, with, with his obviously. with her son the last mountain and uh, it's really yes. it's like obviously heartbreaking that they lost their mum but at the same time the media kind of vilified her and like how yeah. could you how could a mother leave her
2: yeah.
3: um, her kids when, whereas when, when men, do men do, it, do yeah. it, the media don't men go do it after all it in the same way yeah, yeah. 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 So it's I don't think it's so much in the, in the world but yeah we still we still deal with it now like I had think I have so much of that internalized because now I have a daughter and she's 3. I'm terrified of leaving her as a mother. I need
1: to hear about K2 because you because it like this is now blowing. Yeah. I I'm I've literally only learned about it this week and I'm like what? It's deadlier than Everest. Um and I really want to hear about your experience doing that but before I ask that you have your daughter now. Do you still climb? Well, she was one when the pandemic hit.
3: So you haven't so, been <laughs> able Yeah, to. so I mean, like, you know, she was one, and then I was nine months pregnant, like pregnant for nine months, whatever. Mm. So there's been a really long time. So my last trip was K2. Wow. And I would love to do more expeditions in the future. I don't know how it's going to work, though, because I can't imagine leaving her for six weeks yeah but then I know that people do it all the time for different you know not even for climbing but just because of work yeah and stuff yeah. so it's um but I think because of being in lockdown for nearly two years I'm so used to being with her every day and stuff so it's yeah. just yeah that'll be a and, push and to cross If
1: she came home when she was like 16 and said I'm gonna climb Everest you wouldn't say don't be silly that's for superhumans." humans you'd You'd, I mean, obviously, I'm a superhuman because I'm your mom. Yeah. But if she wanted to climb Everest or K two or whatever, do what you've done. What would you? I say?
3: think she probably will, hopefully, climb because me and my husband climb and yeah. we love it. And I
1: want. I my
3: worst thing would be that if she just didn't want to be involved because that's all our holidays. Like that's what we do. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but if she wanted to climb Everest, I would say to her, uh, like, think really about the reasons why you want to climb it. Because if you do, just want to get that tick you know that photo on the top don't don't do it but if you it, for me it was like this it was just this deep seated thing from ever since i was a kid that i didn't understand that i had to go and be in the mountains and everest was an outlet to, mm. to get to go and do that it was a, it was a goal it was a challenge that would take me there um and uh yeah i also know that like from being that 20 year old whose parents told her you can't do it you're not going to do it um that if you want to do something as a kid you literally there's nothing that will stop you and especially your parents if mm. anything I wanted to do it more when they told me not to do it mm. so yeah yeah I know that I'm never going to be able to persuade her to
2: no like, but you, but you, you want, would you, let her
3: you, yeah well, we I would have a mean, choice I want her to do things for the I say the right reasons like what are the right reasons but I just want her to do things that like fulfill her and enrich her yeah. life and I don't care what they are and if it's Everest then fine okay
0: Love yeah, that. That's lo- that's really nice. I need to know about we K2. We need to, yeah. Sorry. I think K2 fascinates me more than It's now Everest. fascinating me
1: now more, yeah. which is annoying, because I'm just going like two weeks behind, or 20 years behind you with the obsession. <laughs> but um, Okay, so k is like, uh, why, am I, why am I saying what it is? Because I know the least. But it's the second highest mountain, right? And it's not yeah. as high as Everest, but it's more dangerous.
3: I think it's 8,500 metres high, and Everest is 8,850. So it's not, you know, only a few, only a few yeah. hundred metres difference. But um, it's a way more difficult climb. Um, and yeah. um, even to get to base camp is a massive undertaking. I thought I was going to die many times just on the really? walk to base camp. One slip. And that, that was the walk in, you know, like you could have died on the walk in. So you get to base camp and feel really trapped. You're in the, the heart of the Karakoram mountain range in Pakistan. And there's the only way out is to retrace your footsteps over this really treacherous glacier. Aww um and so there's this real sense of just disappearing into like the the belly of the beast really and like you're stuck there and you've just got to kind of stay calm there's nothing i can do about it um and um yeah the it's a beautiful mountain but it is it is really steep and there's a lot of avalanches and our first camp we got to on the mountain we were on this like tiny little promontory this little rocky outcrop and either side of this where our tent was the avalanches would come down but just where we were they would kind of scoot off to either side and so all night i was awake hearing the roar of these avalanches and they're sometimes so loud um that you think this is it i'm going to be dead in about three seconds and then the the sound subsides and you're still alive and you lie there thinking this is not worth it just
0: like my nerves i would pass away from fright i think (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: Susan <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <rushing in> <laughs> my, my heart, <laughs> yeah, that was me as well. I promise you, and then yeah, but
3: then the next day you get out of the tent and you start climbing, and it's like, I am on k two This is the mountain that I've read all the books of, and it's you know it's got this deadly reputation, it killed all these women in particular, um it, it seems to be like there's this thing around it being cursed for women, which is obviously a load of rubbish, but quite a lot. of people have died on it and quite a lot of women and um, but then when you're actually on the mountain you're like what was I so afraid of like it's all it's all been built up to be this terrifying thing but actually it's beautiful and the views are amazing and um, the climbing is incredible as well it's this really there's some really steep kind of chimneys that you have to climb up and really great but I got I got altitude sickness actually from I think having a big ego and getting really overexcited and like trying to keep not keep up but be in front of all the men on the (laughs) which is so stupid but there's this feeling of like having to prove yourself because you're a woman Mm. and so if I can get to camp before all of you guys then I deserve my place on this expedition and and that's stupid and I know that and I've had to like talk to myself about it so many times but it still sometimes gets the better of me and um, it did on this day I like properly rushed um, went too fast your body doesn't have time to deal with the lack of oxygen that you're pushing it to and it just doesn't have time to adapt. And, and so then you hit this wall and you start to get sick. And um, I had a, a swelling on my brain wow. um, and had to pretty much quite come down a the, the few hours later. Um, and that was really tough because you, you're really sick and no one can help you down. Like There's no help. You just have to get your backpack on and go with your teammates. And obviously they're really there and caring for you, but you've got to be the one taking those steps and... Uh, it was tough, but, yeah, we, we, we got up and down alive. And then uh, just after I'd sort of called quits on my trip, my expedition there, an avalanche just came down, K2, and buried all of our tents and all of our equipment. So it was really lucky that we weren't there wow. at the time. And,
0: um, so all your teammates came back down with you? Yeah, so
3: we were all off the mountain. It was, it was about a week maybe more than a week later actually and there'd been bad weather and we knew there was uh, snow had fallen up there so we knew that the avalanche was going to there was going to be something coming but I think this was also part of the mountain like there's seracs these big hanging blocks of glacial ice that have been there for thousands of years stuck on the mountain so you have the snow avalanches but the worst ones are these big chunks of thousands of year old ice just falling off and they are um, just like concrete flying down the mountain really so they just obliterate everything in the path and um we lost everything uh, like all the teams at K2 there was an American team and there was you know teams from all over the world I think we lost like 200,000 pounds or dollars worth of equipment wow. in that avalanche but no one, between all of us everyone was okay but everyone was okay because thank god we'd all been off yeah thank god so Gosh. so it was yeah. lucky it's a real it sliding really doors lucky. thing isn't it yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Just
0: like.
3: but no people really have managed to climb K2 even sort of since then I think there's only been one or two years where people have actually reached the top because it is that difficult with the weather conditions and stuff. And in 14 Peaks, man,
2: yeah. he
3: he got to KT Base Camp in the documentary. And he he's like, yeah, they're all, like, knackered and they just want to go home. And he goes into this tent. And it's all my teammates that I was there with in <laughs> no 2016. Way. And I was like, oh, my God, they're still there, still trying to do it. <laughs> no way. And they're all, like, head in hands, like, you're crazy, you can't do this. And Nims comes along and he's like, yeah, we can. And they all did it. And I didn't realise at the time that they'd actually... I knew they'd got to the top, but I didn't realise it was because of wow. him. Wow. So, uh, yeah, thank God for people like that sometimes. Are
0: you going to try it again?
3: I don't know. I think the more people that climb it, the more knowledge we have, the safer it gets and stuff. Yeah. But just, like, the basics of the, those avalanches, you know, they, we can't change anything about that. And I, I'm i a mother now, and I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to deal with it. Like, there's, yeah. not, there's not many of us, um, women who are mothers who also want to climb um, mm. these yeah. big, big peaks. And so it's really hard to actually know like what the right thing to do is. Yeah. God, I
2: guess
3: so it's just, just a... Yeah. It's so working it out. I'd love to say yes and I'd love to go and do it and I'd love to get to the top and get back done safely but there's no guarantee of that. And if you do die, it'd be really... Really annoying and heartbreaking, is <laughs> Feel yeah. we like my daughter, it's not just about me anymore. That's like yeah. the thing. Yeah. And we and as women we live with guilt constantly. So like the idea like that's the ultimate guilt, isn't it? Being selfish, going climbing and dying. Yeah.
1: yeah, does do you think your husband feels the same guilt or would feel the same? I think guilt? he
3: would actually. Yeah, he's yeah. he's really um he's I think sometimes he's a much better parent than I am. Like he's so loving and patient with our daughter and uh, oh. I think he would be. He would. I don't think he would even think. This is how good of a parent he is. He wouldn't even consider doing anything that like, hmm. dangerous that might yeah. risk his Aww. chance to like grow up with her. Whereas for me, there's always this lingering desire to go and do these crazy, dangerous things, and I can't quite.
1: I think it. you're. Yeah. you Yeah. You said in your book. You said your stepdad said that I superhumans. So the climb Everest, and you. And you say. You know. You said so many times today. Like, oh, someone like me. If someone like me could do it, anyone can do it. I don't think that's true. Like, I think you are a superhuman. I think it's such a, a unique breed of person that does what you've done. And if you knew me, no, <laughs> you because you say, say in it that you're clumsy, and and you, know, you say in your book that you're clumsy, and 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 all these things. And obviously, I can see that you're like a real human person because you're in front of me. But like listening to what you've done, I'm just like that is extraordinary. And you still have this feeling inside you that you know you still want to do more. And it's like that's a it's the most amazing super, like, I just, I, ca- I cannot relate. And I just think it's amazing. Well, I did see that you'd run an ultramarathon last year and I was
3: like, oh my God, I'm so jealous. I May- would love to do something like that. Oh, and I,
1: You could do an ultra, You could do, you could do
3: home.
2: Well, you could just, just run that I think, I think it's so
3: we, we so quickly forget what we've done and look to what we want to do next. And I'd love to do ultramarathons. So, oh, so I was like, oh, you'll be fine. Trust but me. I knew, you'd say, I knew you'd say that. And I just think we are so quick to forget our own things that we've done and then think other people are doing like cool stuff but actually I mean I like pretty much all got story I'm sitting here
1: thinking well what have I done <laughs> you read 260 pages of your book but actually oh my god yes I, I heard I, about when's it out oh you've written oh, no, it, yeah, yes yeah, you've written yes I did See? okay okay and you bought fine a clothing
0: line out. Out. is it yeah, is it, it's, it's, it's out no not until June 9th of June it comes oh. out yeah um, that um, was the hardest thing I've ever done actually yeah. for me as well actually not physically but mentally
3: and I'm writing a second book and it's even more the hardest thing I've ever done like it's so hard I feel for you
0: so hard, yeah so hard, you like I said never never knew
1: earlier in this episode that you'd never read a book, and then when I said that Benita was coming on the episode, you said that your everest obsession started with a book that you read when yeah. you were younger Yeah 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 no, no no I have I
0: have it's just yeah. like in recent years yeah. my concentration you're my attention this, span gonna I am going to read this yeah If it. I'm like super interested in something I can read it but yeah Yeah Anyway
1: I honestly I'm oh, wow. so excited thank you so, just that you've been here like I just think this whole conversation was I feel It's mind. So good Yeah me, I'm so interested in like I feel the like I I feel
0: like I've just kind of looked up and like realized very well I've just been like staring at you <laughs> this whole time like transfixed because it's just so, yeah, so interesting. Thanks for coming in. Oh, thanks for
3: having me. Like, I've loved listening to your podcast. It's literally blown my mind open oh, to so many God. new ways of thinking. Like, that's what I, I mean, I don't really, I'm not a huge fan of like Instagram, but I think the best thing about it is just, like, discovering, like, conversations like you're having with around feminism and everything like that. It's just been so great. And I can't wait until my daughter is older and I can get her to, like, listen to it yeah. all because I want her to definitely, like, you know, look up to people like you and not all the other Aww. rubbish on there. No, it's oh, that She's means a has got you lot. to look
1: up to, literally
3: yeah. be up some be like, Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: oh,
3: my God. No, thank you so much
0: for having me. Thank, thank you. Thank you. So. Oh, my God. What thank did you think? Thank you so much. Um, I'm concerned that I just sound like an absolute weirdo. I swear, like, she was looking at me like, you're all so weird. Said,
1: do you see what I mean now when I said to you so many times you don't need to do all the research you've yeah. already done the research yeah I, I, like and I was trying to say it in as many ways without you realizing that when I yeah. said you'd done the research I meant you'd done like a good 15 years like, of I knew.
0: research about <laughs> I, her chosen profession. I knew what to ask I've always wanted to um like speak to someone and like ask them questions about about like climbing like that so it was just fascinating and also she was so nice wasn't she really 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 liked her and we're gonna go climbing with her aren't we i mean albeit to the to the uh rock wall <laughs> i
1: did suggest Kilimanjaro, manjaro and alex was like suck a dick although <laughs> yeah i'm not ruling that out for us although no. base camp's lower i genuinely yeah. i think we could go to base camp i, I really think we could and i know yeah. it's like a silly thing to say but also why not my mom went
0: Oh, let's go. I don't know. Fuck it. I'm I've never pre- been I'm to precious. the ball. I'm precious and fucking high maintenance. I can't even... I hate te- festivals. Can't even do a festival. It's not a festival, though. No, I know, but like... It's the adventure of my lifetime.
1: Let's overnight. go and see your obsession. Yeah. They do say never mingle heroes. But I don't know if that applies to mountains. I, <laughs> um okay we need to stop giving so much airtime to everest like, we really let's do. move on really to is do. it just me because okay, it's
0: are making me sound like a fucking weirdo you i sound so odd i know i am but um, i just sound so odd anyway okay
1: so i'm gonna make you feel better because i have my own i have my own is it just me oh
0: my god okay let me have a, so I was thinking, a drink
1: i was thinking in the bath i was sitting in the bath the other night and i was thinking to myself oh my i god. am quite a heavy person Not not massively, but, you know, just, you know, I have bones and and organs and stuff. You know, like, my weight on on the world is, you know, substantial. Okay. So, too, is the body of water that I pour into the bath. You know what I mean? Like, combine, me and all that water, we're pretty heavy. Yeah. Can you imagine, please? I'm just sitting in the bath, minding my own business. And then the combined weight of my body and all that water just goes, too much for the floor. And then, bam, I fall in the bath. Oh, the it? bath and I fall together as one yeah. onto the kitchen
0: floor. But does water weigh anything? Wait, what? <laughs> 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 Hang on, does doesn't it? because like a water, water bottle? Yeah. Okay. I'm just like
1: imagining. Water weigh anything? Okay. Okay. Water, <laughs> weigh anything. <laughs> okay. Water weigh anything? <laughs> I'm sorry, but have you ever had a raindrop land on your head? Stood underneath a waterfall. Yeah.
0: yeah, forget it. Forget I said that. Okay. Yeah, I can't. Okay. I'll never forget you said
1: that That was a special <laughs> moment. I feel better about my stupid question, my stupid, my stupid thought now.
0: That does happen, though. People
1: go through the floor. Well, yes, but I kept thinking about it, like, on a practical level, OK? Because, right, in the film, it's like, oh, like, the baths come through. Like, oh, what we like. But I'm like, on a practical level, right? Alex gets home from work. The confusion. He walks in and there's just like hole in the ceiling. He's like, what the fuck? And then he looks and there's water everywhere. And You're then he looks the again. And there's just, uh, there's just shards of porcelain everywhere. Oh, wow. Okay. And then there's just my naked, presumably dead body in the kitchen. And he'll be like, how? I think he would. But I think it would be the most confusing situation. <laughs> and I just, I mean... every time I'm in the bath now and Alex is out, I'm like, this will be hard to comprehend for him when he comes home and finds me dead on the bathroom floor all wet wow
0: yeah so my bath times have got like
1: mildly less relaxed so yes it is just you
0: can can confirm
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's really annoying because I was really enjoying my baths I said last week that the good thing about my week last week was that I I need to do more but I said last week (laughs) that the good thing in my life was I was (laughs) bathing every day and it was only after literally after we did that recording I got in the bath and I thought
0: what if I just go through the floor? That wouldn't
1: be so good. And now yeah, my baths right. have got less good. Oh, I don't <laughs> no. know. Who's to say the floor's strong? Like, who knows? You know it's what I mean? Like, I don't possible. know. I mean, luckily I don't, I don't take, to take test bath, it. but that much. But well, uh, yeah, well, why would you? Dangerous. Um, okay, so that's my own, is it just me? Okay. I actually would like to hear from somebody else, if anyone else has those like, just like, catastrophic thoughts in the bath.
0: Let me know. So embarrassing stories. Um, so it's an, is it just me? But I feel like it kind of um, crosses over into embarrassing story. Oh, and I had to read it like five times because I didn't quite understand. But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna I'm just gonna hit you with it. Is it just me that sold a pair of leggings on Depop that I had shit myself in? And has anyone else ever sold anything that they've shit themselves in? Okay, I have a confession to make. Oh my God. I know
1: the person that sent this in.
0: Do you? And you
1: do too. No way. Yes, way. Alex, have you ever shot yourself in a piece (laughs) of clothing that you've later sold? Or done any? Have you ever done any? I think what she's saying is have you ever done anything in an item of clothing and then sold it?
0: Anything like what? Like piss myself or something? Yeah, like, like to sell no. anything inappropriate.
1: Like shagged in it or like giving it away afterwards. like I'm lent like too it to lazy your sisters. To, sell,
0: to sell my clothes, but I don't think so. Um, I don't think I've ever done that. No, have you?
1: Well, no, because as we've established, I've never shat myself. I think, no, I've never shat myself. Oh, there are some items of clothing that just go I've missing. I've myself a lot, though. Have you? And have you, what do you do with the clothes? Do you keep them?
0: Yeah. God yeah yeah just wash treatment. them yeah. yeah oh yeah
1: and, and so and she I, would... cle- I need to I need to defend her honor and say she did clean those before she sold them obviously well,
0: obviously she obviously. fucking did yeah obviously I love that, that I love you clarify that because <laughs> I was. Yeah, <laughs> just so sort of like soiled. Speaking of unnecessary things that don't need clarifying, it really made me laugh, and I did reply to her, so it's it's fine. But um, when I, I put up a, a poll after our last episode, saying like, do you pee in the shower? And someone replied in all seriousness, saying yes, but not exclusively. <laughs> I was like. Well, of course you don't do it exclusively like whatever you are like i need to go for a shower <laughs> oh my god that's like a sim it's like it.
1: i need a shower and it's like no you're fine you're out for dinner no <laughs> i need a shower right now
0: you're at school uh, maybe that oh how
1: funny how yes, funny not exclusively
0: so yes a un- uh, mystery person i think it is just you so, an embarrassing story. We got loads of tampon ones, which I enjoy very much. Uh, so, yeah, so Amy, who we mentioned earlier, who handles our social media. So, she filters through all of the Is It Just Me's and embarrassing stories and, like, basically, like, doles them out to us so that um, the other person hasn't heard it before. So, um Your Is It Just Me section on tampons last week brought up a suppressed memory that I have, which I will be glad to forget once again. Many years ago, I was dating a guy, and we were in the early days, and I was young and clearly very stupid. I went over to his for a weekend and was too embarrassed to say I was on my period, which I assumed would be fine. Dot, dot, dot. It was not. He lived with a few other guys, and unsurprisingly, they didn't have a bin. I needed to change my tampon and I was so scared of clogging their toilets, So I had the bright idea of wrapping it in tissue and throwing it out the window. It was pitch black and I guess I assumed it was like an alley or some disused area. Anyway... All is well, and the weekend is fab, and I think no more of it until I get a call on Monday for him. He said, from him, he said his downstairs neighbour owned the garden, their flat was above, and their dog had found a used tampon in their garden. The neighbour was rightly furious and made him come down and sort it out. I was mortified. I denied all knowledge and never saw him again. I really, truly wish this this was exaggerated or an outright lie, but unfortunately it couldn't be more true.
1: Oh, my God, you know, oh, God. You know that's the just dog. The, dog. the dog. It's the a dog, dog for me. You know what's like making you know what's dog. frustrating <laughs> is it not frustrating the thing that's it's I tell you what it is it's the bath story again right there's just a process that happens here you come home from work and you see you know dead me on the kitchen floor and it's a whole it's mm-hmm. a series of stages this 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 nice downstairs neighbour he's like oh a dog in the garden and he does that thing that dog <laughs> owners do where you look and you're like oh, oh there's a little dog in the garden I' like oh what have you found what have you found what was it going to be is it <laughs> one of your toys oh. <laughs> it's a used and then, then you look around and you say well it's not yours but it's not yours but it's definitely not mine and then it's like well whose could it be and then you have to work it backwards and that's that, why he called her and that's why he called her
0: but also, why would he call her? I feel like if it was me, I'd just be like, well, okay, this happened. Like, <laughs> this is obviously an issue. So yeah. let me just, just let me just like pretend this never happened. And I, why would he ring her and say, like, was this you?
1: <laughs> but I like the idea that she's denied it so vehemently that, like, what, so <laughs> speculation grew. Who else could it have been? They're looking at other upstairs neighbours <laughs> who've thrown it for, like, two hundred yeah. percent I her. think the most suspicious part of this was that she never then spoke to him again. Nothing since so <laughs> yeah. quite like the complete disappearance. <laughs> I'm <laughs> just It's nothing to do with me, honestly, but also just delete my fucking number.
0: I've evaporated. I do not exist. I have perished.
1: (laughs) Okay, so we've had an email. Hi, Em and Alex. Can't believe I'm starting my email in this way, but a great podcast,
0: please keep it. I was about to say (laughs) wait, you're not going straight in, are you? Where's our praise? Love your plans
1: for all the things you want to talk about. (laughs) So thank you very much for the praise. You know we fucking love it. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: I've just finished the podcast episode with Jamila, who is always great to hear from for a dose of straight-up realism. But it's the is it just me discussion on being single that I want to respond to. Full disclaimer, I'm 32 and in a relationship. I've been with my boyfriend for nearly three years now, but before that I was absolutely living and loving my best single life. And if things don't work out, I'm sure I'd miss him, but I actually think I'd be okay in the long run. I'd get to rediscover myself all over again, make all my decisions just for me. Society thinks that's strange, but it's just conditioning we have that if you don't settle down, there's something wrong with you. And on that, I'd just like to enter my own, is it just me? Is it just me, or should we talk more about not wanting kids? Because I am 99% sure, leaving 1% there, because can you ever be 100% sure on anything like that, that I don't, for many reasons. But it's never talked about. It's just assumed that as women, we will. All the best. Never sure how to end casual emails.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a lot to say about this, actually. I do,
1: too. I just want to say the first half of that email, you are going to love next week's episode because we have the fantastic La 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 Let Me Explain coming on to talk on Valentine's Day about exactly this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the kid thing, we've definitely answered that bit now, but just for the yeah. rest of the relationship stuff, you're going to love next week. For but sure. But for now... Yeah. What are you thinking? What are you? What are your thoughts?
0: Hundred percent. Like I, f- I find it baffling how little people talk about it, and it is. It's kind of like gaining momentum a little bit, and you can find some stuff on social media ab- uh, now about people being child free and like choosing to be child free, but. I mean, historically, like it's been such a taboo. Like, you know, you're a woman; you're supposed to want kids. Like, that's what you're mm. supposed to do. And I, I actually think because of that, a lot of people go. A lot of people just have kids because they think they should. Mm. And I think if there was a wider conversation around it, and people felt more, cause, because often if people say they don't want kids, they are met with this: "Oh, you're selfish. You're so selfish. You only just care the about yourself."
1: Po- no phone. I don't think it's supposed to say the fucking pope. But um, <laughs> <laughs> i was like <laughs> the, the fucking pope. Are we gonna get. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) no i'm gonna stand by it because he said a couple of weeks ago that it was selfish of women not to have children said they're like so he doesn't have any children i just i just need to i just need to i just need to make my peace with that he said it's not he said it's selfish for women not to have children but the man himself and all of his men have
0: no children this is something that always niggles at me but i'm scared to say it out loud because i'm I'm worried that it like shames people who do choose to have children but in my head, my logic and like i want I want kids like i i do i i want I want to have children but like the logic in my head is that it's actually selfish more selfish to have children because yeah. why are you bringing children into the world it's purely for your own and yeah. i say this as someone who wants to have children yeah it's purely for your own reasons yeah. it's for I, I i don't think you can give me another reason yeah. that's not to do Daisy with you
1: is not going to benefit from our children if anything they're going to be a hindrance other people's children yeah. are no good to anybody children are only good to the people that
0: Right, them, and really. there are enough people on the planet. Yep, we don't need any yep. more people. So the obviously uh, so we need
1: less. I genuinely think all of this. No offense to the Pope, because I don't know his agenda, but I'm just saying from what it looks like from here, it keeps women busy, keeps women distracted. Just get, just get, get them focused on a relationship. Get them focused on babies. Then they won't come for our jobs. Then they won't make a fuss about this, then because they, they'll be busy. They'll yeah. be busy having their yeah. babies and just and talking about milk and nappies. And that's what women are gonna do, and that's fine within that we don't talk about the fact that one in four pregnant this is really fucking heavy sorry but one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage Mm. like the way that we talk about pregnancy is obscene. Like it's like, yeah. oh, don't have sex because oh, you could you could get pregnant and have a baby. And we talk about sex in the context of only ever making a baby, and that's the only mm. point. As if it's as if it's the most standard, easy, and expected thing in the world. When the reality is, for so many women, having babies is a really hard thing to do. And a really good friend of yeah. mine lost her baby last week, and it was like, what the fuck? We have no yeah. a miscarriage, but we have no tools to deal with that right. as. As women, it's just like what the, what the fuck? Because the way that we speak about it is so one-dimensional, and we have to make room for the fact that babies aren't easy to have, yeah. And babies aren't what everybody wants, and that's great. Why? Why? Why do we need other women? Because there are so many amazing people. Do you follow um, Move with Tara on Instagram? Yeah, I love her. Yeah, because she put up like, and Sophie Miller does the same. And they say we don't want kids, and all the women DM them and they go, "Well, you, you might change your mind." It's like, all right. (laughs) But it might not. Why why does it matter? You'll regret that when you're older. And uh, Tara did a post the day of all the things that women say to her all the time. Because men don't say it. Men don't give a fuck. But other women say it to her, and they're like, "You'll regret it. You'll regret." And it's like, so what if I do? That's my regret. That's (laughs) not yours.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I know. But but uh, people just can't help it. But but also like. I don't know, I feel I feel kind of bad that I actually sort of compared the two and said, well, it's actually like se- selfish to have children because I shouldn't need to say that in but order to defend the fact that is. it's not selfish yeah, to not fine. have children. But it's fine. It's fine yeah. to be
1: selfish sometimes as well. And if you want exactly. to have babies, that's, I, we right. want kids. We can, say, we can say that we're selfish for that one if we want.
0: Yeah, it, it always just bothers me that people say that people that don't want kids like that's selfish because I just don't think it's selfish. I think it's responsible. I think it's like... Because I mean, like again, like we talked about with with Lala next week, earlier this day next week, you're <laughs> um, you're 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 bringing someone into the world. They've got no, like they can't say yes or no to that. Yeah. You're bringing someone into the world, and you have to be super sure that you're going to be able to provide them and and you know f- fulfill their or meet their needs. So yeah, I think it's a really I think it's a cool thing when someone realizes that they don't want children. I think it's brilliant. I do,
1: and this is the societal expectation that all women want babies removes a woman's right to her body. Mm. Because it's saying that that's what you're going to do. Whether or not you really want it, this is what you were made for, and this is what you're going to do, and this is what we need you to do in yeah. order to succeed as a woman. And that, in the same, I mean, this is a massive part of the debate around like reproductive rights, but this gives no autonomy to you as a woman. Mm. To fight on any of this conversation, to have any space in this conversation, not only should you be able to have the right to terminate a pregnancy if you want, the right to get pregnant if you want, you have the right to not get pregnant. And we don't give any space to that. Like, it's the most ridiculous thing. Like, the way that women speak, even speak to women, like, I'm sure you, you know, you're married now and you must have it. If people saying, well,
0: well, when are you? When are you? Uh, When are you? Yes.
1: It's like, (laughs) fuck off. Fuck off. You've got no idea. You've got no idea. Even,
0: you know, when I was like talking about the book and I had this big announcement and I specifically said, like, it's something that I, you know, took me almost a year to like work on and it was so hard and da da da. And then, like, I I did like any guesses. And then, like, one in four was like, you're pregnant, you're pregnant, you're pregnant. To me, a year to work on it was very hard. (laughs) (laughs) It was so hard. (laughs) Oh. No, no. Did not mean that. That's exactly what I thought you meant. That's not what I meant. No, I know it's what you meant. I just thought it'd be fun to take you down that path. Um, <laughs> there, it's like definitely there needs achieve, to be yeah. a wider conversation around it and people should feel free at like you know free to speak about it because then if we can all speak about it like people can explore it and like come to their own conclusions and not just be forced down this one path that we're all told that we have to do yeah and I don't know
1: I just think more. We need simultaneously more and less conversation around this because we need less of that. And you're pregnant yet? Yeah. You're trying. You're. Well, no yeah. one even asks if you're trying. It's like, are you having babies? Are you having babies? Yeah. Are you having babies? As if, like, oh, you're having a baby. You know, yeah. I can't. I mean, like, I'm just like obsessively terrified of in, of infertility and and str- like I, that's my my personal fear and and stress around this. But yeah. But then you know when like what happens to my friend and what happens to so many women and there's just no space to speak about that and it's yeah. like it's the weirdest thing because there is a conversation and there is a rhetoric surrounding pregnancy mm. and babies and it's like yeah you're going to do it and it's going to be fucking easy and it's yeah. going to be great like, and then all other conversation is just yeah silent
0: that that's why i honestly think and i might change my mind on this and like you know Everyone does it differently, I totally understand that. But I hate the whole, there is so much, like, secrecy around it. And it can leave, I think, like, people feeling, like, isolated with it. And I think when we do start trying, I, I think I'm going to be open about it. yeah, And say that we are. Because I just don't, under, I don't see why not. And I, I just think, like, it should be... I don't know, what do you think? Because C- to me, it should be more of an open conversation. But I also understand why people want to keep it quiet. Because everyone's then thinking all the time are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? But everyone's going to be thinking that all the time anyway, because I, honestly, I <laughs> I'm 33 it. and we're yeah. married. So I
1: noticed it literally last night because I wasn't drinking at dinner. And yeah. this, Alex's friends were like, oh, I'm like, yeah. stop doing that. Yeah. It happens every time I I don't drink or whatever. I'm like, stop doing that. Because it, it puts so much pressure on me. Yeah. And there's a bit of me that would love, I mean, because obviously we're not, we're not trying and we're like, you know, we've, got shit to do, got a wedding, I can't, I can't wedding. stress this enough, I haven't got space in the dress um, so yeah so no That that's not our situation now but it does annoy me because it makes me realise with the conversation going forwards I'm just like I don't want the eyes on me so there's a bit of me that would love to do what you know you say and just be like yeah like we're trying so fuck it back off with your questions we're just doing what we're doing and we're just hoping for yeah. the best and I'd love that but then I don't know if there's like a bit of my own. I, I want to use the word pride but that feels so problematic because it shouldn't be anything to do with my worth or my achievements or so that's the wrong right. word but there's just a bit of me that would just be like I just want to like work just, just be quiet and hope for the best yeah and, for sure you know what I mean so I, I have no idea I think I probably wouldn't say anything yeah but but already and it's bothered me because me and Alex have been together nearly 10 years it's bothered me the whole way through in my 20s that people the second I have a diet coke or a water yeah. or whatever that you get the eyebrow and it and it just bothers me to so much because it's like my, because I would love to have kids one day. Mm. So it's like, as other people put this pressure on me, I'm like, fuck off. And I can't yeah. imagine that in the context of this woman who's sending it in and saying she doesn't want kids because it must be 10 times worse. Horrendous. Because at least I want them. So like yeah. i will like, be like, oh, well, I hope so. And she's just gotta be like, oh fuck, like, yeah, fuck off. just like
0: off. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's 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 interesting. And I think it's like a very <laughs> it's a gray area. <laughs> Everything's I'd a fucking gray area. I'd like
1: to hear from listeners about this. Like would yeah. do you, do you tell people that you're trying? Like, would you have you?
0: It feels like you're reclaiming that power that I hate, I feel like I say society all the time, but like that the expect the societal expectation has over you, and you're reclaiming that by being like, like I'm trying. I'll tell you if there's any news. Yeah. And this whole like three month thing as well. Like I don't.
1: Well, that was it with yeah my friend. It's like we knew early.
0: Yeah. It's and so it means that people happy that we knew early. And it means that people go through miscarriages don't alone. Have to be alone and they're isolated. It, it, and
1: thinking of her doing that on her own, it's just like yeah. This is yeah. That I mean, sorry. That if God exists, that's how I knew He was a man. I was like, this process is fucking barbaric. Like, yeah. No woman would design this system. Horrendous. I simply don't believe it.
0: But but, but we, we, we've, we have this kind of shame around yeah. it, like there's the, a the stigma around it, like shouldn't really, you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's almost like shameful to have a miscarriage, which is crazy considering like, is it one in four, did one you say? Yeah, yeah, one in four Because I keep thinking as well, like
1: when I talk about like, the patriarchy, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm just being dramatic, you know what I mean? What is the patriarchy? Maybe it doesn't exist. And then I look at the way that mm. we talk about children and we expect women to have children and even the shame of all of this and I'm like no there it is it's alive and well and it's yeah. fucking huge. huge like all of this is yeah. a, a man made system yeah and it sucks so um the person who sent that in
0: uh, own it <laughs> in a nutshell
1: own it
0: yes we should f- talk yeah, about it more yeah
1: and do what you fucking want do what you want and you want. are not on your own follow me with and follow Sophie Milner they both talk about not wanting children and yeah I think it's empowering as shit and if yeah. I didn't want children I'd be like, well, I don't know. I mean, it makes me empowered to not have children even though I want children. So that's confusing. <laughs> There's something within that as well. I'm like, oh God.
0: <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, yeah. About, stay stay strong. You, It's it's really cool that you've decided like what you want, what you want for your life. And I think that's the most responsible thing to do. Yeah, and
1: have a hoot you can have a great life. Yeah, Live a great child-free yeah. yes, life. that's like, God, I wish I didn't want kids because I could just go, like, see the world. Just what Everest, when are we going? Anytime. No, I love it. I'm blaming it. I'm blaming my reason. I'll never climb Everest because I have to have children.
0: Shots. Ah. <laughs> <Sure. Yeah. laughs> um well that was a lot, lot longer than we anticipated this was really long we're really aside, but we really missed long. alex and she's back oh uh, yay i'm so happy to be back
1: um are you, re- are you really
0: i'm no, i'm happy to be back on the podcast okay, good. yeah so yeah
1: England, this good. is
0: like i've been looking forward to it so okay. yeah
1: um okay well thank you so much for listening <laughs> thank
0: you if you're here because this we know this is an extra long episode so if you're also, here
1: so niche because it's about episodes. so fucking niche
0: i'm so sorry um But if you have made it to the end, like, we love you so much. Thank you so much. And if you don't mind doing an extra thing for us, if you could... Follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe, like whatever, like whatever you, whatever you Whatever
1: works for you. Whatever works for you. We, work, for
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we would be very grateful. We that would be that. really cool yeah. and we would be very appreciative. So thank you so much. We
1: will see you next Monday for our Valentine's Day episode. Yeah. La
0: la 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 la